Talk Live. Welcome to the show. You can join us here. You can bring up anything you want to talk about. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can also uh, join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features you will find there. Once again, freetalklive.com. Joining you here tonight, it's Ian. Jay. And Matt. Welcome back, Jay Noon. Thank you for having me. I, I've missed doing this. It's been almost three years. Yeah, about three, right? Is that my, right? Three years already since the last time you were here? Well, <laughs> since his son, uh, son daughter? Since daughter my was daughter born. was born, and she'll she'll be three here in about a well, week. You know, Ian texted me about an hour ago and said, Jay Noon's going to be on this. And I was like, squee. <laughs> I was pretty happy about that. Uh, I, I came down here once, I think, uh, when Luke Rudowski was in town, or twice since then. But yeah, that, yeah that's, that's been right. it. But you guys kind of switched off that night anyway, so this will be right. your first night back as a, as a full-on co-host, and uh, I appreciate it because I know you're you're always busy. You've got like a million irons in the fire. You're always fixing things for people and doing work on various different sorts, so I appreciate you stopping by. Yeah, and you know, working and farming and, uh, you know, raising cows and chickens with my kids, uh, you know, that consumes a lot of time, but, you know, that's, uh, I think, a, uh, a real good investment mostly in my kids because they're just, you know learning what life is about growing up as a farmer and kind of how I did it. So, Yeah, plus uh, the government's making your life a little bit more difficult as well. They uh, Did they arrest your wife or just, like, charge her? Well, they charged her, and so we got, uh, you know, just pulled over in town and uh, a little um, <clears throat> traffic violation thing, and, and the cop's like, oh, there's a warrant out for your arrest. Oh, lovely. And uh, and, and and the cop was cool. The cop was like, oh, I'm going to follow you. You know, we're, you know, quarter mile from the house. And she, and, the, and, the, and the officer came back with, uh, you know, basically a summons to appear. You know, mm, okay. You know, just, so you avoided, she avoided having to go down to the station. And yeah, get, yeah. Get and booked. It was, and, and the thing is, is like there was no notice sent or anything. And this was, you know... We had gotten a letter from uh, NHDCYF because they were, you know, trying to investigate us. And what you got to understand when DCYF does an investigation against you and you um, in any way, form, consent to that investigation, that state DCYF, it doesn't matter what state it's in, they get a large chunk of change from the federal government. They actually get it, uh, the mm-hmm. money. If you look up the, uh, it, it was a, an act called the Child Safety something, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, brags about it as her biggest accomplishment being it when she was in the white house and you know obviously you know when bill clinton was in president like 97 so this started giving a whole bunch of social security mo- uh, money directly to um the agencies that uh, uh are essentially you know like new hampshire dcyf so they get it's like six to like eight thousand dollars they get for like basically when you're like okay i'll talk to you um, you wow. know, because they just, you're like, oh, if you don't, if you don't talk to us, well, you know, we're going to use Could that get against worse. you. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and if you go to, um, I have a YouTube channel also, you put it up on, um, free keen on Odyssey, uh, the YouTube channel, I think it's called Jay noon or uncle Jay. Actually, I got to get back to that and see what it is. You're but, talking about the video where they showed up at your house. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's two videos. Uh, I made the second video is once I had gotten a public records request back from them. Uh, you know, I sent a public records request to, uh, the director of, um, uh, New Hampshire DCYF for his oath of office, you know, oath to the constitution. 
and also for their inf- insurance was there information. One? No, they said, oh, no. we don't we don't have those. Hmm. I actually, they they respond. I said for insurance uh, information um, and uh, their um, uh, like the bond numbers and stuff. And the oath of office of the social worker, Melissa Coombs is her name. And Mm -hmm. the guy who was a director at the time, his name was Joe Rispom, I believe. So they're like, oh, we're we're denying you your public records request because state employees aren't required to have an oath of office. Who is required? Is it just the police? Just the the state representatives? (laughs) The state senators? Uh, Oh, who's required? Uh, People who are government... Uh, in government positions so the state of new hampshire is actually like some kind of you know legal franchise so i and i've gone back to this several times so actually there's two cases i could point to now um one of them is if you want internet search real quick uh massachusetts state police or private corporations you'll find Mm -hmm. a washington post article from 2014 where the massachusetts state police were sued by the massachusetts aclu because aclu wanted to you know did a public records request for uh, basically wanting to know what kind of arsenal the um, and training and equipment the uh, Massachusetts State Police Terrorism Task Force have. Well, the lawyer, a guy named Jack Collins, uh, who is um, the uh, chief legal counsel for the Massachusetts Chief of Police Association, argued that uh, the Massachusetts Chief of Police, uh, the Massachusetts State Police, do not need to um, answer these public records requests, Freedom of Information Act requests, because they're, they're private the government. corporations. They're not mm-hmm. governments. Hmm. And what they provided for evidence was a, a IRS tax identification number that I believe had the prefix 098, but I'm going to have to, somebody maybe can correct me. But it's, it's a prefix that only charities get, like the American okay. Heart and Lung and the American Cancer Society. Hmm. If you just internet search this, I mean, it pops mm-hmm. right up, even on Google. Uh, and, you know, they're not, you know, nobody's hiding this information that, uh, these governments, these go- and they call them governmental agencies, and the suffix "al" on the, on the end of a word means similar to or like. So they're similar to or like governments, and basically, best I can tell, uh, the state police uh, are hired mercenaries um, for the uh, American Bar Association, which is enforcing uh, intellectual property law. And best I can tell, everybody who's operating with a name and date of birth given from a birth certificate and, you know, these all capital letters name, for example, driver's licenses and stuff are using uh, intellectual property of the state. They're using benefits of the state. Mm -hmm. And this gets into other things like um, real quick. There's a uh, I believe it was Missouri, but the acronym is ATF, uh, which is American Teachers Federation. And a mother wanted to, you know, heard her son talking about, you know, how he was kind of feeling bad about being white. And, you know, and so they started talking about what they're learning about in school. And the mother wanted to know what the um, curriculum was being taught in her child's school. And she did a local state right to know request. New New Hampshire, it's called a 91A, I believe. Oh, wait, this was in... This was in Missouri, Missouri but she yeah. did like whatever I, Missouri calls their right to know request. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was Missouri, uh, and it's the American Teachers Federation. They responded with, um, "We don't need to answer your request. It's none of your business." And well, they're just a union, and yes, right? yeah. And they said that they were, and I, this went to some level of court. I don't know how far up the the one in Massachusetts I was talking about, where the state police claim they're private corporations. Mm-hmm. Went to the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts, and the Supreme Judicial Court said, yes, the state police 
aren't bound by this. They're they're basically Shocking. the same thing as American Heart Society. They're just wow. a charity. Same thing with this with this teachers association. They claim that they are a um the so the state or the county it was contracts with this private corporation, this private union, and those employees of that private union aren't subject to you know records requests or right to know. Mm-hmm. So what they've done is you know we have a parallel society or like parallel governmental government. structure uh in place and it's these school systems and all this administrative stuff and it's the everything that comes out of health and human services so i think the, i think government's basically always been that way hasn't it uh, i mean it seems like you know what really. I, I always hear not really when did it change well in america it changed it with um so i did this deed research all the way back on some properties in massachusetts and there was no property tax on them at basically until 1940 and in 1939... Isn't that when they went bankrupt? Uh, 1939, well, the U.S. filed bankruptcy, the United States Corporation, mm-hmm. and uh, as far as I'm concerned, this soil of New Hampshire is not the United States. It is a sovereign nation of New Hampshire that is within a federation of other sovereign states mm-hmm. called the United States of America. But the U.S., uh, essentially, the United States, which is defined specifically as the District of Columbia, Territories and Possessions, uh and also can be seen as this corporate entity that sort of does all this administrative stuff for the District of Columbia and its possessions. I've and, seen that written repeatedly in all kinds of legal stuff. Yep. Um, where the 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 United States of America is in or is constituted of D.C. alone or something like well, that. Well, the United States is, but the United States of America is a union of states, sort of like the European Union. So but, the United States is the corporate entity, and that lives in best I and can tell. is only governing, is only allowed to govern over D.C. D.C. and U.S. citizens. This is why I've been saying for years it's important to get our status corrected. And don't be citizens. And, well, don't be a United States citizen. You know, the, the term United States citizen is um, really first appears in this context in the 14th Amendment, uh, the, you know, with... Uh, all persons born or naturalized within the United States are s- subject to the jurisdiction of the United States or United States citizens herein and are subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. So the way I understand it is the slaves were never freed. They were essentially property that was seized by the United States, by the federal government. Um, and then they were given special privileges and immunities. And those would be 14th Amendment United States citizens. Well, what happens, you know, fast forward to the future is, you know, people are signing government documents and swearing under, you know, some form of oath, like a driver's license or gun license or, you know, any kind of, you know, IRS paperwork that they're a United States citizen. That's what they get told from the day they're born, basically, until the day they die. But you're conditioned to be proud of it. But of course, as we've seen with so many different U.S. Supreme Court cases, they have ruled again and again that there's no obligation to protect. So therefore, how could there possibly be a citizen, which is the definition of citizen? Even if you look into your plain old dictionary, let alone a legal dictionary, the definition of citizen is one who owes a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection. So if there ever was a deal, the deal's been long since broken because they say they have no obligation to protect you. So therefore, how could you owe them any allegiance in the first place? I don't know. Uh, And the thing is, but people just got to understand who they are and when they're walking, when they're using the benefits of the state. So like you hear about these farmers who get um, hammered on by, um, you know, the FDA. Like for for selling raw milk, like the Amish guys, that kind of thing. All that Mm -hmm. stuff. 
Uh, and also, all the people that I have looked into that have had their children taken from them uh, by CPS, uh, just like all the farmers who have been basically screwed with by these, you know, um, you know, regulatory farm agencies. Uh, sure. The Bundy they, Ranch. Uh, all, all all these guys have yeah. taken some form of government subsidy, whether mm-hmm. whether they're registering their land as a farm. Even so the they, Amish? Yes. Wow. Yes. Amish, they're, they're almost forced into it. In fact, I, I used to deal with a tremendous amount of Amish people when I was in the hay business. Mm-hmm. And they were basically forced into having their kids ride the school bus. They didn't want the school bus uh, picking up their kids and bringing them to the to the to the um, uh, I'm shocked know. they would even allow their kids to be sent to the government. Schools. Me too. No, not to government schools. It was to their own Amish schoolhouse. What? So, so the state was providing school bus service for the Amish. This is in um, Stone Arabia, New York, which is uh, you know it's a little west of Albany. Wow. You know where it is on the map, probably uh, just north of Canajoharie. I know where Canajoharie um, is. Yeah. Stone Arabia is on this big high plateau. And there's a bunch of, you drive up there and there's just all Amish farms and there's all kinds of cool stuff you can buy all the time from them. But anyways, um, uh, the Amish community is like very much like an agorist community. They trade very much amongst themselves. They, they, they actually are exempt from certain portions of property tax in New York State. They're exempt. They have a lobby. They've exempted themselves from Social Security. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what happened was a snowplow basically, you know, plows over a couple Amish kids walking to the schoolhouse. Um, and up there, like... I've seen the snowbanks in Stone Arabia, New York, on Route 10, um, literally almost touching the lower power lines because they'll have these big, like, graders with big wing plows on them, and they'll just push the snow up and up, and the wind just mm-hmm. blows. It's like a high plateau. It's almost kind of like, you know, being, you know, in, in a uh, in, in Nebraska when it snows. It just mm-hmm. it snows a few inches, but all the north-south roads get covered. So these kids get... I. Don't, I think one of them got killed, but definitely two kids got like mauled by a plow. Jeez. And then they were like, uh, well, you're irresponsible. And, you know, they're telling the parents for having them walk to school. And, you know, even in, though it was the blizzard. state plow that hit them, state plow hit them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or, or accounting or whatever. I'm not sure who, but some plow hit them. That was plowing the road. Yeah. It was on a state road. Yeah. And so they sort of like twisted their arms to take, take, to have the kids uh, take the school bus. Well, anyways, to wrap up what I'm saying here is anytime we take a subsidy from the government, and this has been ruled on by the courts, and I, I don't have this uh, court site handy, but anytime you take a subsidy from the government as like a farmer, for example, mm-hmm. or, or a corporation, uh, and even just being a corporation is basically a government subsidy as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you're asking it's, it's for a, a favor. Well, yeah. it's, 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 you're being protected by the government. Uh, you know, when you're, the, the purpose you become a corporation is to limit liability to yourself. Um, you know, Generally, but not always. And uh, so, well, or, you know, a lot of uh, tax things, but that's also corporations belong to the government. The government mm-hmm. creates corporations. The government is a corporation. Uh, yes. And yeah, they even like the town of Ware, New Hampshire, all their articles they write, it says the town of Ware, New Hampshire, a, a municipal, municipal corporation. corporation calling itself a governmental agency, because that's how they're in even Kingdom, New, Kingdom, New Hampshire. If you read the um, uh, the uh, town charter, they all start off just like that. Uh, so anyways, Getting back to this, when you ask government for a benefit, you you waive your right to due process when it comes to uh, the government coming against you. Whether you get a grant to, for example, have a manure pit put at your put at your horse stable, a concrete manure pit, and then two years later, the, the Massachusetts manure management program sends you know some college kids over and oh, we're going to take uh, nitrogen samples all around your farm. This happened to some guys in know Massachusetts. They're mm-hmm. like, no, you can't do no, no, get off my property. I'm sorry, sir. You consented when you became a yep. So they show up. They show up. Um, 
with uh, basically a warrant that was like not even issued by a judge. It was signed by the director of some kind of agriculture, mm-hmm. whatever, Administrative. something like that. And we're doing this anyways. And the guy tried to like sue him and, and, and he talked to a lawyer and the lawyer is like, you agreed to this. You got this, mm-hmm. you know, $20,000 to build this little concrete bunker to put your horse manure in. You know, that would probably cost you $2,000 back then to do it. But, you know, you had to hire some special company to do it. It's the same thing. So if you're taking welfare, if you're taking, you know, if you have the state, you know, mandating child support from your, you know, baby's daddy, if you're taking WIC, if you're taking any government program, uh, you are essential. probably, I haven't read this stuff, but I can tell you why if you get a license to own a gun in New York or if you get a license to drive a motor vehicle in Massachusetts, you agree to give irrevocable power of attorney to the director of motor vehicles in Massachusetts. In New York, it is the director of health and human services is who you give power of attorney to. Irrevocable power of attorney. And this is written in there, you know, basically, you know, mountains of, you know, statutes. Irrevocable, meaning that even if the driver's license expires, yeah, it's yeah. still permanently with them? Right. So, uh, so it, yes, that's what they claim. But they never inform you of this. This mm-hmm. is um, uh, Massachusetts, if you look up MGL chapter 93 and a half uh and it's i believe a or one but if you just look that up it'll say any person who applies for a license to operate a motor vehicle within the commonwealth of massachusetts gives irrevocable power of attorney to the registrar of motor vehicles that's nuts it's right there in black and white and so anyways what's happening is these guys are basically the 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 bar association really i i, I believe is just enforcing intellectual property law and you are if you give someone you know irrevocable power of attorney so you can use their benefits that's essentially what you're you know what what the contracting is working it out to be and like you know the cops pulling you over don't know nothing about this they just you usually think you're a whack job well Um, they think you're a sovereign citizen and that that just amplifies you the uh, possibility that you're going to get shot that day by quite a bit possibly uh i actually and, and and you know I've had many, many, many interactions with police, and I will would you know say that ninety percent of those intera- interactions have turned out very positive for me. Uh, as you guys know, I was a hay dealer uh, and a horse trader, and I was driving to Canada and New York, back to Massachusetts, and out to Pennsylvania. You know, multiple times a week, I was doing was traveling, so. A lot of times I'd either been broke, broken down or something going on. I've had cops give me rides to get, you know, parts. I've had them help me work on trucks. I've had them even lend me their own personal tools. Um, and, uh, but, you know, I did that stuff for 20 years. And uh, I have noticed that, like, the cops that seem to be, like, you know, in rural America are, like, really cool. And uh, and the cops that I've dealt with in the cities, they were just, like, really happy I wasn't some, like, drug drug runner or something hmm. you know mm-hmm. um so and, and even locally with with this you know new hampshire dcyf i've been um you know it was been a really good positive uh interaction with the uh local henniker police they just you know like the chief police he's, he's like you know i i'm here to protect people's rights that's my job um he's you know and 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 his guys that work for him all seem like they're just pretty um you know stand-up dudes i don't really hear uh any you know, ruckus in the community about, oh, the cops did this to me or that. Uh, but also it's a college town, so they got a lot of college kids to deal with. They, you know, they're, they're pretty occupied. Mm-hmm. But we got to stop as, taking welfare from the state. Um, another thing that's got to happen, 
is uh, we need to support um, uh, moms in general. Uh, we need to support uh, like, um, you know, single moms uh, basically as our, you know, free state or libertarian community, the Shire Society, because it is so easy right now for a, you know, a mom to just go fill out the paperwork and be and get a whole bunch of money you know, from the state. Um, we got I a would lot of, hope that uh, libertarian moms are, you know, not doing that as often. But you would hope there's, a, I, there's I plenty of eligible guys out there. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to meet somebody. It's that's a whole different topic, too. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, um, well, I think our, you know, like even talking about FBI informants, for example, mm-hmm. um, the most likely individual to become an FBI informant is is a mom that's essentially sought out. And the feds are like, hey, we're going to threaten you. They, they threaten them. They threaten to take their kids away. They threaten to do this. They yep. threaten to do that. Uh, you know, yeah. 20. We and, saw it happen to Melanie Neighbors, former co-host here on Free Talk Live. It happened to my dad in 1989. Uh, our babysitter was threatened and she was basically sat on the stand and just said all kinds of lies. Damn. And uh, in a trial that my dad was in when I was you know, 12, 10, 12 years old, um, you know, he was facing 15 years. Uh, you know, it was a federal deal. And, you know, FBI, totally corrupt, all kinds of stuff happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, he had no lawyer and he won uh, wow. and, and, and he was uh, successful. Uh, my grandmother was actually uh, convicted and my father uh, mm. and, you know, and a few guys, you know, uh, wrote an appeal and they had my grandmother out in a couple of weeks on appeal. Um, but you know, this was all, you know, due to some, you know, basically a stupid crime that my uncle did. He, he actually blew up a car Hmm. and, you know, but just because you're related to whoever, they just go after anybody they can. And, um, so the, you know, the thing is, is, uh, uh, so I watched this woman, uh, young woman, you know, she was our babysitter. She Mm -hmm. was like, "Mm hmm. Maybe she was young twenties, and they threatened her with something. Oh yeah, right? and, yeah. FBI agents said we're going to take your kid, uh-huh. and um, I'll do anything you say, yep, officer. Basically, there's more coming up here. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Phones are open. Jay Noon's back. Uh, you know he's a, quite the source of a lot of knowledge. So if you got any questions, you're welcome to join us here. Six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. You can join the show. This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. You can join us. 
And the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we have for you. We have our own social media platform. Just go to social.freetalklive.com. It is uh, self-hosted. It's a Mastodon system, which means it's federated. You can connect to other people on other Mastodon servers. And that means that you're not subject to the same big tech takedowns, which Matt just experienced over on Facebook. We didn't get a chance to mention that, but... uh, My Facebook account was old enough to vote. (laughs) Really? It was old. I was one of the first people on Facebook, I think. Wow. Back when you had to have a college college account. A college account in order to have an account at all. You had to have a .edu email address in order to to have an account with Facebook. And you just got blown out today. With no notice, oh, no temporary ban, yeah. nothing. They here's just your, here's your content. See ya. Yeah, here's a zip file. Well, it was nice of them to give you the content yeah. at least, so you get all your old pictures or whatever. Yeah, I don't even know what's in it. I downloaded it. Just it's for, all that stuff. Yeah. It's uh, pictures, chats, pretty much any data they have that that they had on you, basically. Uh, so, well, I mean, uh, sorry to hear that, but also kind of glad to hear it, man. I'm I mean, kind of excited. It's good to get off of there. I, it's funny, I you know, and I. I feel kind of good about it mm-hmm. um, in a way. I'm going to miss the people that I met over the years that on there. There's a couple mm-hmm. that I stayed in touch with outside of Facebook, so I have their contacts. Yeah. But, um, you You're know. Cut I, off from everybody else. Yeah. I, and, and the funny thing is I had I had a sock account, and I don't even know where. I went to log into that instead because I always got a, I had a sock account because I have groups and stuff yeah. that I, that I you know, admin and stuff. And, you know, Coplock. Dot or, uh, cop lock uh, fan page is one of them. Mm-hmm. And I always kept that sock account in case anything happened. And I can't even find the sock account. They blew so that out too. It doesn't say that they did. I can't even, there's no provision for me to log into it in the first place. So I don't mm-hmm. know where that is. How, interestingly, my third sock account, which is, I keep that just for work. Mm-hmm. Like that's like. You know, it's my to be in my my company's. You know, it's your squeaky clean group. one. Right? It's my squeaky clean yeah. one. I never ever log into it. I never use it. Yeah. I started when I started the job and just never ended up going on it. That's still there. Hmm. And um, and when I went to look at that, I'd actually received a contact from a colleague of mine who I've been trying to do business with, and she added me as a friend on that huh. account. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, maybe I should have checked this kind of a long, wow. long time ago. So uh, I don't know. If I see myself, I don't know if I can resist being a voluntarist on Facebook if I go back to it at all. So I think I'll just ditch the squeaky clean account as well. What do you mean you'll ditch it? Just don't, what, I, what do I need it for? I'm, I'm kind of happy to be, I see. You know, not, here's my big chance. Just get rid of it all. Just, you know, I'm not going to cut back on my heroin use. I'm mm-hmm. just going to stop my heroin Cold use. turkey. Cold turkey. Yeah. Call it. Here's my big chance. I'm going to do it. Digital cocaine is what the scientists are calling it. It is. And Jay, you are always talking about dopamine hits. Dopamine hits. That's right. Dope. Mm-hmm. Every time I see you, you bring up the dopamine hit. And you ain't wrong. No. No. Uh, they know it, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they, they know it, too. And they they absolutely. And, you know, TikTok's infinitely the worst. Are you on there, too? No. Oh, okay. I won't go anywhere near that. That's absolute Is Nikki poison. on there? Poison, no. <laughs> um, but sh- Nikki Insta's hard. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, girls will be girls. Yeah, what, what is it with Insta? Like, you know, know. There's, you know, there's, there's quite a few people. I, I right. was surprised that my Insta account didn't get nuked because it's... Really? It's the connected, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, hmm. it's still there, though. Well, uh, Instagram, <clears throat> based on my research, is uh, 
is is really wrecking uh, teenage girls uh, mm. with the whole, um, you know, uh, you got to be, you know, this kind of pretty or this skinny or have this look or, you know, the, the makeup nonsense, you know, just all the uh, emotional uh, destabilization is doing to uh, basically teenage girls is uh, is is pretty um it's really bad. I, I don't have... actually have it in show prep from two days ago, three days ago. Headline from the Wall Street Journal: Teen girls experiencing record levels of sadness and suicide yes. risk. That's terrible. Uh, we can talk about that, but actually, I got Rob on the line here in Vermont. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Rob. Robert. Hey, how you guys doing? Not bad. What's on your mind, dude? All right. So you know the kind of thing that what Jay has been talking about. It's not anything new. This has been going on long before any of us were ever thought of. I mean, Roy Cohn, uh, who was a a lawyer for during the McCarthy era, I mean, when he became a prosecuting attorney, I mean, he was doing that to all kinds of people back then. It just doesn't seem like it gets enough attention for the public to be able to see this until it happens to, you know, someone that they love or whatever. And then the authorities, like the police, the lawyers, the judges, social workers, they're all, they all have qualified immunity so they can do all whatever they want and never be held accountable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this generations of qualified immunity has created a culture of irresponsibility. And so what's happening is somebody really is a predator, and they want to go be a predator. Um, the best thing they can do is go work for the FBI. Or whatever, go work for, uh, but some of them can't qualify to work for the FBI, but anybody can go be a social worker. They're so desperate for social workers. They're constantly talking about advertising. Like, like I was, um, when I was doing this research on New Hampshire social workers, I kept on getting all these ads popping up for, um, uh, New, be, be a social worker for the state of New Hampshire, blah, 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 you know, great incentives, benefits. benefits. Uh, I, 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 so I started kind of looking through them. I didn't see where they were advertising qualified immunity, like, right up in front, but I wasn't really no, going to, like... No, that was a Manchester Police Department yeah, well, that well, did that. Uh, New York State Police, too, uh, they would have these, um, at the truck stops in New York, they would have, like, the helicopter parked, and then, like, a Camaro or a Corvette or something that's all state police that they took from a drug they, dealer or something probably like that. and then they got like tahoes and they're like they're whatever all they're like bling and you know everybody's shiny badges are all shined up and they're like they're like be part of you know the new york Join state the police st- starting at seventy five thousand dollars a year um and then um it's it was like full benefits um qualified immunity wow. it, you know it says it, it wow. would say it right on the um like you know a, a poster that you know in the mm-hmm. truck stop Amazing. So strange. Yep. Do we know yeah, when yeah, the, this, the con- this whole thing is uh, it's a machine. It's a money making machine. It's a self-preserving machine mm-hmm. because they need kids to be able to, you know, keep the money you know, coming in. You know, you know, you know Robert, I don't even think the money is the big thing. I think for the, I think for anybody that's in, I think if you're power. into money, you don't go to work for government for money. You go to government for power. Mm-hmm. These people are power junkies. Money is an afterthought. 
they don't even think about that. Um, social workers get paid nothing. Yeah, that's I, a great point because, like, you know, you you can look at these piddly little uh, positions in New Hampshire, like town selectmen, which do not pay no, well at all. But there are busy and bodies they, who can't wait to get into it. They will wield that power like nothing else. Yep. It's all they got. Yeah, Even you know, like- I I went to uh, a long, long time ago. You know, a lot of people know I was a chef for a really long time. But a long time ago, I wanted to, I didn't want to do that forever. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, what are my options here? I could be, you know, that lady that comes around and inspects our restaurant every once in a while. I know what a clean restaurant supposed to look like. I know what all the rules are. I could do that. I went to find out what it would what it would pay to be uh, a, a restaurant inspector, like a sanitation yeah. inspector in New York State. And they were paying like forty grand a year with full benefits, like nineteen ninety eight. They're paying forty grand a year with full benefits, but you had to drive your own car, and they didn't reimburse for gas or car. And everyone will hate you. And everybody, ha- I still remember <laughs> Ellie. I I hope I hope she I hope she bad things. Mm-hmm. I I just did not like that woman at yeah. all. She waltz in whenever she wanted to start, just start you know yelling at us about. This and that, and Ellie, we're doing our Acts job. Acts like she owns the place. Leave. Leave. You're, but you're not allowed to tell them to leave. Oh, and these same people in New York State would harass all the dairy farmers. Like, I, I can remember showing up to guys' farms, get a load of hay, and I'd be like, hey, Phil, how come you look, like, so upset? He's like, ah, oh, the, the, the health inspector was yep. here today, and he wrote me up because I had my lunchbox on top of my hot water heater in my milk room, you know? And, yep. <laughs> and he was just, like, all upset. They they would just harass the hell out of these guys. Rob, anything else you want to share? Yeah, I I would only say to people that maybe you're just hearing this, but there's a book that's out there. It's only a couple hundred pages long. The name of the book is called The Respondent, and the author's name is Greg Ellis. And what the book talks about is, you know, what the Department of Child Welfare and the family court system did to him and, you know, how he was able to, you know, uh, get an appeal and get out and then fight the Department of Child Welfare and the Family Court System. It's a great book. I recommend it to anyone that's a parent. One more time, what was it called? The Respondent. Okay. And the, the Respondent. name is Greg Ellis. Thank you, Rob, for the call tonight, man. I appreciate hearing from you. The number is 603-283-6160. Uh, since you brought it up here, and like I said, I had it in show prep from the Wall Street Journal, it's now nearly a three out of five high school age girls in the U.S. who were surveyed reported feelings of persistent sadness or hopelessness in 2021, which is a roughly 60% increase over the past decade. According to CDC research, though both high school girls and boys reported experiencing mental health challenges. Of course, this is in the midst of the COVID restrictions as well, so I'm sure that didn't make anything better uh the girls reported higher levels of sexual violence sadness and suicide risk in 2021 57 percent of them reported experiencing persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness in the past year compared with just 36 percent in 2011 30 percent reported they seriously considered attempting suicide up from 19 percent in 2011 so that's like 50 percent increase they're going from 19 percent to 30% in 10 years? Yeah, and uh, uh, Francine Hugan, I think is her name, or Hughes. Um, <clears throat> I, did, I did a bunch of research on her about, uh, well, a couple months ago. I'm actually doing a uh, slideshow 
Um, yeah, I think this ties in with one yeah. of your topics tonight. Yeah, yeah I'm doing a slideshow uh, presentation that I'm building right now. I'm almost done with it with the Autonomy Unlimited uh, guys. I believe it's autonomyunlimited.com might be their website. I should check that out. But that's Richard Grove's operation. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, Francine uh, Hughes, I think is her name, uh, she was talking about how Instagram and social media, uh, she's the Facebook whistle- whistleblower, which you know a lot of people think that you know, she didn't really do much testifying, but she's quoted in a lot of newspaper articles talking about how, uh, you know, uh, the addiction of the social media creates d- dopamine uh, loops. And she did say that she brought up about the suicide rate was, you know, being elevated and especially teenage girls because of, uh, you know, everything is going through this, you know, social media. And like when I was a little kid, you know, if we had a problem with somebody, we got in a fist fight. And then we realized, and actually all those kids I got in fistfights with growing up, we all became very good friends as teenagers <laughs> and olders. I mean, it's just what boys did. Mm-hmm. And uh, But now what's happening is everybody's getting into keyboard flame wars, and they're not getting smacked in the head. Not long before punched. that, we went, in, we went through a phase of hug it out. Hug uh, it out. Yeah, um, I didn't do much hug it out when I was a kid. We, <laughs> well, that's you know, what we were but, told to do. Yeah. Like the generation right after me was very, very piled upon with this hug it out okay yeah thing. You, know, you weren't you weren't allowed to smack talk and end up in a in a little 10 second brawl in the locker room yeah yeah which they, is those 10 second brawls in the locker room are so incredibly important to male development i'm sold on yeah that. i actually i remember our our uh i should, probably shouldn't say the guy's name but um he might not even be alive anymore but when i was in fifth grade sixth grade it was actually i was in a new school uh me and this kid get into a scrap and the, the one guy big dude teacher breaks it up and he's uh he goes we're gonna have the tension and we get down there and he's got boxing gloves for us and he's he, and it oh, was wow. and it was in the gym and he's like all right now you guys are gonna fight and we're like well we kind of worked it out already you know <laughs> so we just kind of he's like well you're gonna do it anyways i want to see you and and uh, he says to the kid who got in a fight with me uh, after i knocked him on his butt a few times he goes why are you picking a fight with him he's he stacks hay and stuff you know the other kid was just you know he was he was a city kid but uh that that happened to my school and i and, and i don't really know who knew about it but we did have a boxing class and this guy was part of the boxing thing and but yeah, and me and that guy got along, you know, for years after that. Well, I mean, we're a, a bunch of guys talking about how guys work things out here, but it's the ladies that are having the the most difficulty apparently, and more so. And it's kind of always been that way. They do point out here that uh, young women are particularly vulnerable to anxiety and depression, given the higher rates of harassment and discrimination they face compared with boys. They also face career pressures, high beauty standards. And the expectation of motherhood, they say. But I mean, if you compare what it's like today for them to what it was like 20 or 30 years ago, you know, before Instagram, before Facebook, before competing for likes on TikTok or whatever, then they were competing in other ways with one another, but of a smaller group, right? Like they would only be competing within the set of the girls at the school, for instance. But now that's been expanded to online and i suspect that has something to do with this they're trying to you know compete with everybody they have to get more likes than everybody else and if they don't get enough likes then they don't feel like they have enough self-worth it seems like a lot of how they are these days is tied to that the likes feed the dopamine hits Mm -hmm. and actually there was another study that was done and this was a whistleblower like in 2013 in fact i 
I've had a hard time nailing this one down, but I, I got into it about a year ago. Uh, a guy worked for Apple was like, hey, the, we studied the dopamine hit on three to five-year-olds on the dopamine hit that they get from interacting with internet devices. And it was such an extreme dopamine hit that if a developed brain was to receive such a dopamine hit from a narcotic, it would result in an overdose. Uh, and mm, I believe wow. he said heroin or cocaine or something. But you know, a kid's brain is like 90% developed by the time they're six years old. So um, <clears throat> I, I got this quote on my phone somewhere, but uh, there's a Jesuit priest, I believe his name is Leola, but he's basically quoted saying, if I can have the attention of your child until he's seven i will control him for the rest of his life Mm -hmm. and you know this is you know the left is you know i can just remember hillary clinton talking about how we need to have government early childhood you know daycare and you know kids you know there there should be government funded you know daycare and you know preschool and all yeah they want to feed them all the environmental fear-mongering at as young Mm -hmm, of an mm -hmm. age as possible but when and and so what's happening is we have a lot of moms and dads using uh internet devices as pacifiers sure well they used to put it put kids in front of barney when uh you know in the 1990s and and And, and uh, the big difference between barney and a tablet uh and the big difference between you know uh a cartoon that's just being played versus uh, an internet device that's gathering metadata. No, that, I get what you're watching. saying. The tablet's yeah. got the the dopamine factor in a way that you know a VHS tape or a DVD right. of Barney is certainly not going to. But that's what led to it, right? Is the parents sure. oh, are sure. so parents are so busy just trying to make ends meet, trying to get the tax bill paid, yep. trying to pay the power bill that they don't have. They feel like at least that they don't have the time. You know, to take care of their own kids. So in the '90s or whatever, it was sit them in front of the TV. Now it's sit them in front of a five or seven inch tablet or whatever. And, and a lot of parents are, you know, have their, you know, their drug they're into. Whether it's, you know, nowadays it's watching lots of Netflix. But you know, my grandmother, you know, she consumed, you know, several hours a day of daytime TV. You know, Law and Order soap mm-hmm. operas, and she made sure us kids, you know, had, you know, when we we're hanging out with her, a lot of the times she would put a TV barney or something on i don't remember what it was tom and jerry and bugs bunny and mm-hmm. stuff the real violent cartoons so, you know what i what i <laughs> watched choice. as a kid yeah uh but she'd put that on in the other room for us uh and but you know today you got um you know these people a lot of people talk about how they binge watch all these programs i'm like shouldn't you be reading your kids books instead mm-hmm. of like devising uh w- one of the things I, I i say in my slideshow is like uh we need to you know if you took all the time that mom and, and kids are devising and just our parents and kids are devising and put that time into parents reading to their kids. Like I literally read to my daughter and my son, you know, almost two hours a day sometimes. Wow. Well, we first thing in the morning, a lot of times we wake up and we, we read books. Mm-hmm. In fact, and they, are they reading yet? The well, so my daughter's going to be three here in about a week mm-hmm. and she is actually recognizing words. And actually uh, last night I was doing some, some stuff and she's, she goes, I'm going to read this book by myself. And so she's reading a book like she's narrating the book very close to mm. what the book is. Mm-hmm. And she's not really reading the words, but she's like, Dad, what's this word mean? Or what's it? Oh, no. What's this word say right here? And uh, it was you know, a Curious George book that we read a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I forget what the word is right now, but she asked me about 10 or, you know, these words. And and she's uh, but even like a year ago last spring we're walking through a par- parking lot and it was after this maple syrup thing so it was like Mar- you know spring of last year she she goes she walked up to a license plate is that a d is mm-hmm. that an e and and she basically knows all the letters uh she she 
been able to count to 12 since she's been like, you know, less than two years old because 12 was what fill, 12 eggs fills up a carton. And she's been <laughs> getting eggs, you know, since she's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but, and, and even we don't have any pigs right now, but we had pigs up until about April of last year. Uh, and uh, every time we would go out to the pigs, we would count them. And every time we would go check on the meat birds, I would, you know, try to count them. Uh, sometimes it's hard to count 75 birds when you have that many, but see if any got, uh, you know, taken away by weasels or skunks during the mm-hmm. night. And um, <clears throat> so they, they know that stuff and they're curious, but I haven't let my kids' minds get, get warped or influenced by internet devices. I actually have a couple of tablets now sitting on a shelf that have, the boxes haven't even been opened. You know, Somebody are, gave them to you, right? Yes. Yep. People, oh, here's tablets for your kid. Mm-hmm. Here's a, two people gave me tablets. Thanks, and, but no thanks. Uh, and I, they're just on a shelf. Mm-hmm. We're not going to use them. And um, uh, do they watch TV at all? Is there uh, any kind so of video? What we have is we have a projector that just projects on the wall of our dome. Mm-hmm. And so we do watch that sometimes. Uh, we were on vacation together. Yeah, we watched together. Uh, okay. We were on vacation uh, in Arizona, uh, uh, and. Uh, that was probably the most TV that actually I've watched in years. And mm. my um, uh, kids, my my kids watch. They watch some cartoons with my grandmother. I mean, with their grandmother. And uh, but that was, um, you know, my my grandma was like, "Oh, they should really watch this one." And or my or my mom's like, "They should really watch this one." And and but she's she she's into that. She's she's into having you know, there's a TV in every single room in the house and. That's pretty uh, typical. Right. And and I'm like, you know, uh, I'm like, hey, mom, would you mind just shutting the TV off? We're going to read some books. And, you know, she was cool about mm-hmm. it because uh, we get up in the morning. Uh, we usually, you know, read some books and uh, either my wife will read to him a little bit or I'll read to him. I, I, I hey, like you can't read if there's a TV cackling in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, but the uh, so we do watch a um, uh, I've let him watch some old school uh uh, Sesame Street, okay. you know, from uh, like the like season seventies or nineteen sixty nine is yeah. season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that's cool. Uh, Less politicized back then. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another guy called Blippy, who my daughter absolutely loves. He's a YouTuber, and uh, he does all kinds of neat stuff. Like we'll go to the garden, we'll go to a playtorium, we go to the Blippy goes to a farm. Blippy drives an excavator. My kids love equipment. Yep. Because uh, we're always messing around with equipment. Blippy drives a bobcat, um, so it's like it's like realistic world stuff that is you know. Like, but like the animated, you know, jump around animals, little you know, a, you know, Pixar kind of stuff. I I really want to stray away from that. But even like, um, but it, it's on a projector in my house, so you can only see it at night. First mm-hmm. off, so we don't watch anything during the day, and. We, uh, I, I don't like to do it and, and really consecutive nights in a row, but a lot of times we'll just go up in the upper dome. We won't even turn it on and we'll, and it, we'll just play or just read books or whatever. Uh, but, uh, the one thing I really like about the projector, if you're going to consume media is, um, when toddlers eyes, uh, are very much developing, well, infant's eyes, and there's a, a sort of an epidemic of, meiosis going on which is uh an eye disease that results in nearsightedness mm. and they're finding this out a lot especially in the philippines and a lot of southeast asia where they're you know people's most of the people's careers are doing internet work mm-hmm. screen work so their kids are in front of screens and the kids are going to school and they can't see to see the front of the classroom and you know mm-hmm. so there's so they're basically their eyes are developing to 
focus right where that screen is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should look up meiosis. Uh, uh, children's health in a digital age would be a really good study that was just released about a year ago uh, to read. There's a lot of information in that about the rewiring essentially of the kids' brains by internet devices. Well, this is something we talked about on Free Talk Live uh, over the last several years, and it, you know, specifically when it comes to young people, they find that teenagers aren't even hanging out with each other anymore. Mm. They're they're just online, quote-unquote, together yep. on some app. And in That's many cases, awful. if they're in the same room, sometimes they're still on apps. Even though they're physically together, and although that's not happening as often, uh, so you want to talk about leading to depression and leading to anxiety? These, uh, you know, disconnecting from other humans, I think, can definitely do that. There's more coming up here. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, kicking off the second hour of the program. Join the show here, the number 603-283-6160, that's 603-283-6160. In the studio here tonight, it's Ian, Jay, and Matt. We're going to get back into uh, or into your phone calls and thoughts. You can bring up whatever you want, and then we're going to find out what's been going on outside of banks in nigeria in the last couple of weeks uh, especially within the last few days things are getting crazy out there and we'll explain uh what's been happening and whether or not this could be coming to a bank near you uh in the united states if it's bad for the bank i hope it comes to it's quite bad for the banks yeah like smashing the frontage destroying windows destroying atm machines there's no reason to do that well maybe there is I mean, the banks are the biggest <laughs> criminals ever. Yeah, but the, the the destruction of the actual building itself doesn't make any sense. Just People are pissed, and we'll explain why coming up here in a moment. Let's go first to Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, yeah, uh, one of the uh, government watchdogs over at uh, forum.fires.com is uh forum.shiresociety.com you kind of cut out a moment there i don't know if you got a good signal yeah uh he i guess he went to a king city council meeting on the 8th and he witnessed something that was probably routine but it probably shouldn't be so routine and that is uh, an asset forfeiture Ooh. okay okay so what they did apparently the police came in and said oh we uh we have the $12,000 we seized from a drug suspect, and we, we want to give it to the town, you know, something like that. And they unanimously, of course, voted to take the money. Of course uh, they did. And uh, the What happens if they don't uh, take the money? Do they actually? Do the cops actually give it back to the people they stole it from? <laughs> I bet they don't. Uh, yeah, I suspect who, it goes to, like, the state budget or something like who, that. Whose name is on the money? That's who owns it. Whoever the victim so, is. Oh, the Federal Reserve. That's their money. Those are their oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> They're not yours. Good, Dave. So he's calling He's calling for uh, like a letter-writing campaign or something to make an issue out of this. I don't think the city council would pay much attention to letters, uh, but at least it's something better than nothing. Uh, it would just be nice. I, I like that idea of making an issue out of it. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Like you said, it's not going to change anything uh, at all because they're just they're You know, as we know, the Keene City Council, uh, just like any city council, probably anywhere, will do whatever it is the police want them to do. 
I mean, it doesn't matter the fact that there's been mega protests in the last few years. The George Floyd thing, of course, led to a huge protest uh, in downtown Keene, the largest I'd ever seen in the you know almost two decades, not quite that I've lived here. Uh, I've never seen Central Square packed like I did for the Black Lives Matter event. But the politicians just pandered to it, you know? Wait a minute. I think the Black Lives Matter, one, that was the one where they brought a ton of people in from out of town to do that, right? That was the allegation that uh, that you made. I, I presume that yeah, could yeah, that be was true. A, so, so I asked people, yeah. I asked people uh, where, they, where they were from, and the one little girl said, Key, New Hampshire. It's like it wasn't necessary <laughs> to say the whole thing. You should just say Keen. And, so it was kind of clear that they weren't. They weren't from there. No, I get it, but still, it counts. I mean, there's still people in the uh, the square. Not everybody's from Keene when we have an event either. Some people uh, come from Manchester. Yeah, it's okay. No, that was kind of fraudulent. Like I think they were chartering buses of people yeah. from out of town to it's come. A, it's an interesting if. theory. But regardless, yeah. it still was more people in in Central Square than I'd ever seen. But it didn't matter to what the town council thought. I mean, some of the politicians were out there politicianing, you know, uh, politicking and all that, and trying to trying to uh, get brownie points. And it doesn't matter because they still support the police. They supported the police when they got the Bearcat. I mean, you want to talk about a pushback, Dave. It was during the Bearcat situation in Keene. It was 20, I think 2011 when that happened or somewhere around that time frame. It's it's documented in the Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree uh, movie. And there was tremendous pushback. I mean, there's no way... That an online campaign like what you're talking, I'm not, I'm not saying people shouldn't write their city councilor or whatever, but everyone was doing it when it came to the Bearcat. For listeners that don't know, the Bearcat is a, uh, a tank, basically. It's an attack truck, as they call it, a counterattack truck. Uh, it's an armored personnel carrier for the police. And it's a piece of junk. Well, it costs $300,000 <laughs> for that of piece junk. of junk, but uh, you know they like it. And the federal government was handing out the, these, you know, checks. Basically, it's like, hey, you know, we'll give you three hundred thousand dollars. You get this, uh, this tank. You have to keep it gassed up. You got to do the oil changes. You got to make sure you, be, being the taxpayers of of Keene or any given town, uh, you got to take care of this thing. And then whenever you want to take it and run it through the front door of a free stater like this studio, or uh, our friend Nobody who was living next door when he got his window smashed in by the Bearcat with a battering ram on it. By the way, first time it's ever been used for that after a decade was here in in uh, in this building. But uh, it was the taxpayers, of course, have to keep do, do the upkeep. And then whenever the feds want to just roll into town and say, yeah, we're going to use that Bearcat, uh, that's, that's exactly what they, uh, they get to do. So it's basically it's having local taxpayers pay for their equipment so the feds can just come in and, and use borrow it, it anytime they want to, whether it's the DEA, whether it's the FBI. Must, Go ahead, Dave. I must beg to differ with regard to this idea that it doesn't make any difference. It, it does make a difference. In fact, the biggest difference is the difference between zero and one. Uh, last week, there was basically zero opposition to this asset forfeiture. And if next week there was a small amount of opposition from one person, uh, that would actually be an important difference. You just have to make an issue out of these things. And as long as everyone's talking about it, we win. Yeah, like I said, I don't think it's going to hurt, but man, it's hard to uh, to have any kind of belief that it will actually win anything. I mean, the, the Bearcat got voted in. Now, there were three people in the city council that did vote against it. Uh, so it wasn't a unanimous vote, but it was overwhelming in favor of the police. And, and that was there was 90%. One city councilor said that 90% of the people that was were contacting them were against this Bearcat. 
So it wasn't like it was close amongst what the people of the area were thinking. Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, non-party affiliated people, all kinds of people were reaching out to the city councilors on this. And they were saying, don't do this. This is militarizing uh, small town police. We're against this. People from across the political spectrum. And it didn't make a damn bit of difference in the end. Actually, did achieve some things over the Bearcats. They achieved a lot of publicity. Uh, That's they true. achieved those three votes. And I bet you the city council has been more cautious about using the Bearcat than it would have been otherwise. Well, I mean, that's that's speculation. I mean, they certainly used it against us uh, two years ago when they raided this house. And they used all yeah, the... they hate. They yeah. hate you. Well, they, they used Matt as the excuse. Oh, well, he owns guns. Has he ever used a gun in a legal way? No. Does he own his guns legally? Yes. But he owns guns, so we got to roll the Bearcat in. Yeah. Bring in the drones. Sh- throw the flashbangs. Yep. Throw the smoke grenades. Sorry. We need 50 guys. Sorry about your house, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, uh, Dave. I, I do appreciate the call tonight, man. Bye. Oops. Well, anyway. I, I wanted to uh, mention something to Dave, but uh, that's all right. He's Sorry. gone. Uh, I don't know if he'll be listening here. I, I, he might be. I'll just go with it. Uh, so he interviewed Tulsi Gabbard a couple mm-hmm. years ago and um he gets you know he says hey um you know right to bear arms you know what do you think about gun rights and tulsi says uh well we need universal background checks mm-hmm. and uh uh and and dave uh says to her well, what are you gonna do if uh for those who want to have guns and have guns but won't get or refuse to do universal background check she goes we're gonna come get you okay and um <clears throat> She uh, has her own uh, YouTube channel now, the Tulsi Gabbard Show, and she has really turned around on gun rights. She's she has. done a whole thing about, uh, and I just can't. I, I keep I, when I hear her talk about how she, yeah, she was. I used to think we needed universal background checks, but now it's come to a point where I've realized that people in government shouldn't be dis- be the ones deciding who can have and not have guns and you know and i and i've uh changed my position on that because i don't like people who do that change their like, mind i don't like i don't like people i don't not when they're government people like is she just like some kind of insider is she like an fbi I mean, plant is she being told to say stuff is she, she could be well she did you make know. the gun switch on her opinions on that right around if i'm correct on this right around the same time when she resigned as a democrat yes mm-hmm. so it was yep. like oh now so I'm in no other words, she doesn't Democrat. have any principles at all. She's just parroting what she thinks people want to hear. I think she's doing what she thinks is best for Tulsi. She thinks that yeah. you know she's seen some support coming from people on the right or libertarians over the years or whatever, and she's pandering. Even as a Democrat, though, she was really good. She was basically you know just exposing a lot that you know these wars aren't just they're just about lining the pockets of the military industrial complex. Mm-hmm. She was basically sounded like a Ron Paul, but at the same time, she wasn't. State. She was anti-war. Yeah, no, yeah, she was. She sounded. Back when she was running, like a classical Democrat would have, instead of the like the new Marxist, mm-hmm. more yeah. you know, commie Democrats. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Democrats used to be anti-war at one time. I mean, look, I'll accept it if somebody wants to change their tune. I, I people can change sure. their mind. Hard for me to believe it's genuine, though. Like, like I get you know, it. Yeah. So, but maybe Dave Ridley had an influence on her. I, I mean, it's I, possible. I, Is that I, what you were I, getting at? I think he did because I followed her pretty closely, and she didn't. She didn't give that response anymore. She was, it seemed to be kind of a point where she started uh, sort of pivoting. And maybe it was because, you know, and she also says, oh, when I was up there in New Hampshire, you know, 
like there's tons of people open carrying. I saw lots of people with guns, mm. and, and and she's so like, immersion could have been a factor. She's like, there's like no crime in New Hampshire, you know, mm-hmm. and and uh, I, you know, I've heard her, you know, and because the, all these everybody who runs for president always has to talk about New Hampshire because you know it's the you know first place they go, and the, that's going to change next year. Okay, well, whatever. But at least for the Democrats, mm-hmm. they uh, they made a big change to their system where. The Democrats are going to ignore New Hampshire's first in the nation primary, so it's still going to happen here. But anyone who actually runs as a Democrat in New Hampshire will be punished by the Democratic Party in some sort of way. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. I, I hope Furman Supreme <laughs> runs as a Democrat again, and actually he will have a chance to win because Joe Biden will not run in New Hampshire in 2024. Why not? They changed how they they run things. The the they've been working on this for most of the last year. Hmm. Uh, this is really crazy and interesting. Like politics is normally pretty boring. This is an interesting little aspect of it, where the Democratic Party said, "We don't think New Hampshire because it's mostly white is representative of oh my God. the United States, and so it's unfair that New Hampshire has the first in the nation primary because it sets a certain candidate on a track, right? Like it, whoever wins the New Hampshire primary sort of gets some extra publicity and they're, they don't always end up winning. There's they no afraid like, they're going to lose. Are they afraid they're going to lose more often in New Hampshire? No, nowadays. Mm, I mean, no, you know, that's just, not it. No, it's, it's just pandering. It's just saying, oh, well, we think South Carolina is more representative. There's more. Is, is it less white than New Hampshire? Correct. There's, there's fewer, um, okay. you know, percentage-wise, there are fewer white people in South Carolina. If I, were, so, if I were black, that would infuriate me. Mm-hmm. I, would, I don't want people, I would not want people pandering to me that way because of the color of my skin. That's awful. It's like, and it's all white people doing it. Like all those—that's the ridiculousness. Yeah. Like of it. all those, all, all these, you know, culture warriors are all white. They're all yeah. old, you know, and, and the Democrats are even worse because they're old white people. So they voted for uh, last year. It was Joe Biden made this proposal that the Democratic Party will set their own schedule. So instead of relying on what the the New Hampshire government says, because the New Hampshire government has a, I believe it's in the Constitution, if not it's a statute, uh, there's something that says in the law somewhere that New Hampshire has to be the first primary in the nation. So if they convinced uh, South Carolina to move up their primary to beat New Hampshire as far as early, being more early than New Hampshire, New Hampshire would by law have to beat South Carolina. So New Hampshire would then move theirs. <laughs> To go ahead of South Carolina. It's been like that for a hundred years in New Hampshire. Yeah, it's a great distraction because we have these electronic voting machines that nobody can look at the source code of because it's proprietary. They actually, the one in my town's got a printout on it. I'm like, how come we can't program this machine to print out a receipt of who I voted for? Wait, you guys have electronic voting machines there? Yeah. There's electric voting, electronic voting machines. Are you talking about the machine that takes your ballot in at the end, or are you actually voting on an electronic machine? Okay, it takes the ballot in and then it scans. Okay, that's it. the counting machine. Counting machine. Yeah. So it's electronic counting machine. They're not really, they're not hand counted. Mm-hmm. And 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 then what it does is it prints out a tally at the very end when the guy pushes a button. Right. So why can't it just sp- give me a receipt? Yeah, it could. It's it not could made if they way. wanted to, you know, yeah. but it, it's, it's it's made that way. It's just programming. It's already got a printer on it, hmm. uh, but they don't want to do that. And all that, you know, the, all that programming on these, any kind of electronic counting machine, because it's not who casts a vote, it's who counts, counts the vote that, that decides. Uh, there should be, uh, any anybody should be able to look at that um, that that source code, and you can't. They should be able to. Yeah, you're right. They should be able to. Hmm. 
And but they, they they're always want to distract with something else. There's like way more important issues than who's the first primary vote. Because as far as I'm concerned, uh, we don't have any. There's there's no way to authenticate the actual count uh, without people each individually having receipts or the source code to those machines being open and viewable. You know, like like Linux source code would be, for example. So one of the things that's not clear for 2024's presidential primary is how will they punish the people who do run in the New Hampshire primary? Because what the Democratic Party can't do is prohibit people from running. So anybody who wants to can go pay, I don't know if it's $1,000 or whatever. In New Hampshire, it's usually pretty cheap, right? Like in New Hampshire, it's 100 bucks to run for governor. It's 10 bucks to run for state senator. It's $2 uh, to run for state rep if you're running as a Republican or Democrat. So I don't know what the presidential filing fee is, but Vermin Supreme can afford it. So it's probably not that much. And so anyway, people can go down there to the secretary of state's office and they can put their name on the ballot for president in New Hampshire as long as they meet the qualifications. But the serious contenders will be informed by the Democratic National Committee that if you want to be serious about this, you will not go on the New Hampshire primary ballot because New Hampshire will not move its primary because of the new of because of what the Democratic Party wants because the Republicans are in control of the New Hampshire State House. So there's just no chance that New Hampshire is going to allow its ballot or its primary to go after South Carolina. So what's going to happen is the Republicans are going to do what they always do. All the big candidates are going to come to New Hampshire. They're going to do their usual primary, and it's going to happen, and it's going to be accepted. But the Democratic primary will be ignored by the Democratic National Committee. They are basically saying, if you're in New Hampshire and you're running as a presidential candidate, you are persona non grata, you do not count, you will not win, because they want to pander to South Carolina. They want to say, we are more inclusive, we believe that uh, people, non-white, people of color, whatever the terminology is these days, uh, are counted in the first primary. So they're acknowledging South Carolina as the first primary, and they're going to ignore the Iowa caucus, and they're going to ignore the New Hampshire primary. They're so gross. It's crazy. But what that's going to do is it's going to, I think, result in some of the most hardcore Democrats leaving New Hampshire. Because basically they have been slapped in the face by the Democratic Party. But they're not going to join the Republicans right. out of frustration, right? They're yeah, not gonna- I'm... I- you know, I would even help hardcore Democrats leave New Hampshire. Right? I'm progressive state project. Progressive state project. Out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I think this is ultimately going to be good for us because those people who are so concerned with the national level Demo- Democratic Party goings on are going to have no voice. They have been told you are not important enough. We're voting against you. Everyone. It was like an overwhelming vote against Iowa and New Hampshire. Only the reps from Iowa and New Hampshire voted to keep things the way they were, and it was like a sea of votes wow. against them by the rest of the Democratic and, you Party. You know, the, the the frightening thing about them is that, I mean, the Republicans are guilty of it too, but the Democrats are, I think they're way worse, is how they just go with whatever the, uh, like somebody whatever barks the president, order. This is whatever they, the president wanted. With it. This was Biden. Biden I, I, said I, Biden can't even like pour milk into I his own cereal. I can't morning. believe people have Biden stickers on their cars still. still and yeah. I see Biden, a couple of Biden signs here and there. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, oh, like man. they're the same people wearing a mask in their car. Yeah. And, and they're you, they're you, and still the, the couple. The, there's a couple of Biden signs. And I've asked around town, who are these guys? And they're like, oh, uh, well, this guy's a professor at the college. And this other one works for the state. So they're parasite class people. Sure. And they're just, you know, they're they're. Uh, 
that you know the the thing is with the parasite class uh, you know one of my uh relatives is was very uh much in she's retired now but in the massachusetts school system and the biggest thing they were saying is that for in order for her retirement to stay funded there basically needs to be three to five people uh that replace her job so if the if the uh Jeez. if the retirement fund doesn't have three to five people per retiree funding the retirement fund her, the, your retirement fund doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the and, Ponzi scheme, right? The, yeah. and, 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 they, well, and she and she's like, "Well, it's not a Ponzi scheme because you know the state's doing it." So, <laughs> and, and, and that was the answer. But anyways, wow. the um, basically the the bottom line is uh, these guys, uh, you know, all these social workers, all these state employees. Uh, they really need to make sure the system stays afloat. The state stays afloat. They they need to be sure that the U.S. dollar, because all all of their wealth is backed in USD, essentially. Um, so, like the pension system could you know perform at its best, but when the dollar you know hyperinflates to, you know, we get to the point in this country where it costs you fifty percent of your income to feed your family, mm-hmm. like it does in everywhere else in the world where food isn't subsidized. Is literally what it costs. I mean, can you imagine? If you had to grow and trade with your neighbors um, <clears throat> uh, to get all get most of your, you know, f- uh, food, uh, it's it's expensive. And, you know, this like, you know, thirty dollars for a 10 pound bag of, um, you know, whatever hamburger at Walmart. That mm-hmm. is all a government subsidized food you sure. know, thing that's, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year are poured into the beef subsidies. It works out to like almost $50 a pound, according to uh, wow, uh, some figures a guy did that um, that I know of, uh, you know, just on the beef subsidy. But, like, it's crazy. You can't um, have – I mean, there's always, like, chicken for, you know, two ninety nine a pound, and, like, I raise chickens. You know, that's just ridiculous. You can't sell it for two ninety nine a yeah. pound. It's, you know, same thing. Why is there turkey for $1.99 a pound a week of Thanksgiving? And it's mm-hmm. all government subsidized feed, government subsidized mega farms where you know sicknesses happen, and uh, and oh, and to get the federal crop insurance and all this stuff to grow all this food, you have to do Monsanto growing practices, and you have to use Monsanto certified seeds, of course, and really? Monsanto certified chemical fertilizers and herbicides wow. and all that. The, stuff. Which isn't that actual fascism? Yes, that is. Like, that's that by is definition. The definition. Like yep. there's Democrats everywhere shouting fascism at Donald Trump mm-hmm. when. Actual fascism is part and parcel of the United States government all the time in the that time. form. In that form. That's just one example. Subsidies, yeah. Whatever they are. I mean, you know, like milk should be 15 to $25 a gallon wow. in a store if you actually milk a cow. And you're paying $6 a gallon for diesel fuel. And you're paying mm-hmm. 25 to $40 an hour for farm help. Because the days of hiring somebody that can actually do something for $15, that it hasn't happened for a couple of years now around here. Like, everybody... And everybody's got to pay 25, 30. 25 bucks mm-hmm. and, and you're training them at $25 too. Wow. Yeah. What's McDonald's starting at, in Keene? 15? 15 in Keene? Somewhere in that range. Yeah. The kid who works at the Hillsborough McDonald's uh, who changed the tires on my truck a few weeks ago, he quit. He was making just under $22 an hour. They offered him $25 an hour to stay. He wouldn't stay. He, he actually got a job for two bucks an hour or less across the street fixing, changing tires because he, he wanted to be a man and do a man's job. Oh, <laughs> boy. We got more coming up here. You can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever you want. People are destroying banks in Nigeria. We'll tell you why on the way here. This is Free Talk Live.
Talk Live. The phones are open. If you want to join the show, you can do that. The number is 603-283-6160. Ian, Jay, and Matt in the studio tonight. Thank you to Brian, who is a silver supporter of our AMPS program. Brian is contributing 5 bucks a month to AMPS. AMPS stands for Advertise, Market, Promote, and Support. Free Talk Live. It is a way for you to get behind what we do here on Free Talk Live. Just talking about the ideas of liberty and freedom, cryptocurrency, peace every single night, seven nights a week on the radio on about 180 broadcast radio stations around the United States. We're also, of course, online via online streaming, online video streaming, podcasts. Uh, we've got a satellite, a couple satellite channels out there as well. Uh, so you can help us out. Just go to amps.freetalklive.com for five bucks a month. You can join as well. You can do more if you uh, if you feel so inspired, and you get some perks like access to the Amp Only podcast, which has the full radio show minus recorded commercials. So enjoy that. Go to amps.freetalklive.com. That's our Patreon, by the way. That's amps.freetalklive.com. I'm going to give you a little bit of audio here from. Uh, let's see, where is this? Benin City. Benin City in Nigeria. This is the scene outside of a bank building. The tension is mounting. The tension is People are carrying pipes. The pace is more. The pace is getting more and more on daily basis. There are hundreds of people that are in the streets in Benin. This was posted yesterday by uh, Vanguard newspapers. Some sort of firing going on. People start running in this particular clip. There are a bunch of videos that have come out from Nigeria over the last several days. And what is all this about? People are destroying the fronts of bank buildings. There's another video here of uh, multiple men with large uh, sticks, large metal sticks that are uh, destroying ATM machines, automatic teller machines there in, uh, in a bank. Just absolutely trashed. And again, a large crowd of people watching, lots of people getting video footage, something on fire uh, in the background there. It is pretty crazy. So here's what's happened. And this has to do with the CBDC at some level, the central bank digital currency. Oh. But uh, at another level, it has to do with the old style money, which they're trying to play a little game with, as we'll get into here in a moment. But central bank digital currencies are something that the United States government is considering experimenting with. They have an official, well, I guess they are experimenting with it now. They're considering actually implementing a central bank digital currency. They haven't officially made that a thing yet, but they're, you know, they're getting closer. And Nigeria is something that a lot of these countries are looking towards, as well as China, because Nigeria and China are two of the countries that have moved the fastest towards and actually releasing. Nigeria's came out, I think, last year, uh, their CBDC. So it's there. It's a thing. Uh, For what I've read, only about 0.5% of the Nigerian people have bothered to adopt the central bank digital currency. And cash is king in Nigeria, and I think the number is 40%. Yeah, 40% of the population there do not have bank accounts at all. And so we get to the problem, and the problem is the people of Nigeria are now being told that they have to turn in all their old money and get new money. 
Now, they're not being forced into the CBDC just yet. That's not what's happening here. CBDC's out there. It's like they're trying to incentivize people to use the CBDC, but it's not a you must move to the CBDC. So why are they doing this? Why are they changing out the money? When I first saw the story, I thought it was going to be something like you would see in Venezuela where they've actually re-denominated the currency multiple times, where in Venezuela they would knock zeros off of the currency. At one time in the aughts, it was three zeros. Right. It was five zeros later on. It was six zeros, I think. The last time they did it, they would just, you know, you would take a million Bolivar bill and knock five zeros off of that thing, and it becomes a smaller bill. And so that's that's what they I thought they were doing here, but no, no, they're actually keeping the bills the same denomination. So they're not, they're not re-denominating. They just did a redesign. And we'll get into that here. So BBC reporting Simi Jolasso from Lagos in Nigeria. They say that uh, this was filed two days ago. People in Nigeria have taken to sleeping outside of banks. They want to be among the first in line to get notes from the cash machine once it's loaded up in the morning. And there's video out there of people at like a huge line of people outside of a bank at five in the morning. A lack of newly designed Naira notes, that's the country's currency, the Nigerian Naira, has led to a cash shortage and a growing sense of anxiety among those desperate to get a hold of their money in a country where 40% of the population don't have bank accounts. Supreme Court has become involved and has ordered the deadline to hand in old notes be extended, but this has made little difference. People in uh, people here have been long used to the period, uh, periodic bouts of fuel shortages, leading to long lines of cars snaking from the petrol stations. But now, long lines of frustrated, confused, and angry people have become a common sight outside of banks as the country builds up to a presidential election coming up mm-hmm. at the end of this month. Abraham Osundrian, age 36, stood in a, a one of two queues at a bank, said, I have not eaten today in the main hub of Lagos. He had to miss work at his construction company for a second day because he doesn't have the cash to pay the taxi to get him there. Some Nigerians have embraced digital payments, but many still rely heavily on cash. He says, I don't have any cash. I've had to skip breakfast so I could come here, and I don't know what I will eat for the rest of the day. It's a situation similar for many others. One lady who is a hairdresser, 26 years old, she says, It's painful. I can't go to the market because they want cash. Buses want cash. Now I have to trek everywhere, she says from her salon. There's no money to buy stock, so I have fewer products to sell. There are even fewer customers. Usually on a Saturday, I have a minimum of five. Last Saturday, she had only two because they don't have access to cash either with which to pay. Nigerians were told last October that the old notes were being replaced with new notes, and they were encouraged to deposit any cash savings in the bank. So they're telling people who don't have bank accounts that they need to go and get a bank account or use their bank account to take all their cash from under their mattress or whatever it is that they were storing it and put it into the bank. According to a lady who works in telesales, uh, Osirinoma Kolawe, she says, they made us put all our money into our accounts and now we can't access it. It's unbearable, they said, she said. You know, I remember in the very early days of Bitcoin when we were talking, you know, I remember asking somebody, what's the purpose of this? And one of the first things somebody came back to me with was just think of the implications of this. 
we could bank the unbanked. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that came up was Africa. Absolutely. And there's been huge adoption of Bitcoin in Nigeria, by the way. They're, uh, local Bitcoins, the site that we talked about last week, they're going out of business, but they've been around for a decade. And they would release, you know, every month or whatever, they had statistics about what areas of the world are the highest usage uh, as far as the local Bitcoins website. And Nigeria was number one, has been number one for some time. So there's a large awareness of uh, cryptocurrency in Nigeria. Venezuela also a, very high up there. About a year ago, I don't know if you guys uh, know who Max Kaiser is. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't heard that name in a I long haven't time. seen anything from him in a while. <clears throat> but um, he said, uh, he goes, there's going to be a flippening uh, and Bitcoin's going to make it happen. And he's like, look at all these Bitcoin transactions happening in Nigeria. He's like, you watch the... Uh, I don't know. He was saying in several years, the poorest country, one of the poorest country in the world, uh, Nigeria, because the people are holding so much Bitcoin, is going to be one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Versus like the wealthiest countries in the world today will be some of the poorest countries. And if you look at the United States, mm. and yet <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's called an M six report, which is like all the debt that's owned to the Fed, owed to the Federal Reserve. You know, uh, fifteen years ago was like one point six quadrillion dollars. If you took you know the debt of the United States, which right now is thirty trillion, but then the debt of each state, the debt of each municipal corporation, the city, town, mm. village, um, you know, all of these entities that are uh, a lot. Yeah. yeah, it's it was one point six quadrillion like fifteen years ago. Uh but uh so yeah, you, the U.S. has more debt than probably anyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, I live in a big mansion, but, you know, it's got a massive debt on it versus my shack just paid for it. Which one would you rather have, you know? Yeah, there's uh, massive debt. I think the personal debt in the U.S. is like $15 trillion or something like that the last time I saw it. It's it's tremendous, and it's always, you know, reaching new levels. That might just be credit card debt. I don't and, know. And there's a whole bunch of young people that are like, I can't ever own a house. That's, that's out of my grasp. Mm-hmm. I have no intentions. I'm not going to own a house. Well, why would I do that, you know? And, and, you know, and yeah, and that's where most people's wealth historically has been is in their homes and Young people don't even want to own homes anymore. Well, and this is a perfect example of how people shouldn't ever trust the banks, right? Like the banks are not a place for safety. That's what they were pitched as. They were pitched as, oh, yeah, you need a safe place to put your money. We got a vault. We got armed guards. You know, we're all set. Come on in. Bring them in. Uh, We'll loan out your money. We'll pay you a fee. You'll get an APR out of that. And, of course, now they don't pay Jack Diddley for fees anymore, so there's not really any reason to do well, it for that reason. When you have all this artificial money being printed out of thin air, I mean, the interest rates are artificially ro- low. I mean, interest rates, you know, should be whatever the market would bear them, which would right. be, you know, whatever somebody who has money to lend would want. And it's not. Yeah, it might be 10%, 15%. Yeah, I'm thinking it's like you know, in the teens to the low 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But if you had, you know, 18% or 24% interest rate on mortgages, you would have realistic house prices and you would probably put 50 to 60% down on a house mm-hmm. uh, where now the, the house's pricing is just unrealistic because of all the fake money that's yep. available to Vanguard and BlackRock who are buying up all these communities for, you know, 20 to 30 or 50% over asking even. The, one of the ladies in Nigeria said, the last time I went to the shops, I had to buy eggs instead of fish. That really hurt me. Not the food, but having to buy what I didn't want just because the banks won't let me get my money. The Central Bank of Nigeria, CBN, said it redesigned the higher denomination notes, the 200, the 500, and 1,000 naira. And by the way, that does not translate to a lot of dollars. I don't think they're showing it in this article, but if I recall correctly, the, uh, I don't know if it was the 200 note 
it was like 40 cents worth or something like that. So this is not, <laughs> this is not uh, a lot of quote unquote money for these notes, but those are the higher denomination notes. And I'm sure Nigeria is a place where the average family is spending most of their income just on calories to where in America it's like 5% of your income is spent on your food. Is that right? These days, even these days? Yep. Huh. Or it's a little higher, but you know, you can still go into you just walk around a grocery store. All the stuff is like so cheap compared to what it actually costs to make it. And it, but it's all the government subsidized food. Yeah, so I just did a check over at uh, XE.com, which has a currency converter. A thousand naira, which is the largest size note, is only two dollars and seventeen cents. Wow! In U.S. dollars. Wow, you need to stack a lot of those to yeah pay for stuff. So what they're doing is they've redesigned the two hundred, the five hundred, and the one thousand naira notes to replace what they say is dirty cash in circulation to quote unquote tackle inflation. Well, that that's not going to do anything to affect inflation. If you're just replacing the notes with the newer exact notes, same denominations, the same denominations, it's not going to do anything there. We know that inflation is increasing the money supply, which I'm sure they're doing, but that this has nothing to do with fighting it. They're just doing this to get people into the system that aren't. They're forcing them into banks. Exactly. I've never had. I've been on bank my whole life. I'm 43 yeah. years old. Never had a bank account. Curb counterfeiting. I guess you could argue that they've, you know, maybe there's some new anti-counterfeiting features in the new really bills. Really going to counterfeit a $2 bill? That's a lot of effort, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the big one here, promote a cashless society. Oh, here we go then. So they want it to be that, see, people doing cash is just such a hassle. Look at all these difficulties that you've got. You got to go to the bank. You got to exchange the old bills for the new bills. Boy, cash sure is a hassle. You know, we've got the CBDC over here, the central bank digital currency, that all you have to do is sign up. And by the way, there's plenty of people, if you watch these videos of the people destroying the banks, there's a ton of people with phones, right? Like they have... Uh, one, one of the things that's been true about a lot of Africa over the last two decades is the cell phone companies don't have any real regulation. So they put up s- cell phone towers everywhere. There's plenty of cell phone oh. coverage in these countries. And so they have, I mean, there's a ton of people with smartphones over there. They can absolutely have cryptocurrency wallets on those phones. And the downside, of course, is they can also have the CBDC uh, app or whatever that thing you know is. at least at least if government's going to bring out the C- cbdc's they're going to have to compete like mm-hmm. oh, you yeah. know it's not you know in any other in any other existence they could have just come out with that a long time ago before cryptocurrency was ever a thing and they would have had the market on it but they were late to market and now they're going to have to compete and the genie of cryptocurrency is not going back in the bottle and they will always have to compete so I suspect, you know, the next step would be declaring anyone who's not using the CBDC a terrorist. So the wow. the, the people who have been practicing using uh, cryptocurrency have been practicing uh, trading, you know, doing any kind of barter, silver, gold backs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't use Amazon until uh, literally until Til crypto uh, purse.io. Yeah, that's when I started. It's an amazing using tool. Um, you can go to saveitpurse.com, by the way, and then Free Talk Live got a small percentage yep. of the purchase. And uh, and then and then they've opened up so you can use other you can use Bitcoin Cash now, mm-hmm. and uh, which is you know better for small transactions. Uh, <clears throat> when I was down in uh, Tucson, Arizona, on a little vacation, and I went to a couple farmers markets, and I walk around the farmers market, and I'm like 
take uh, Bitcoin. And who takes Bitcoin here? I'm going to buy something off if you take Bitcoin. Oh, mm-hmm. I-, I got some silver. I, I didn't have any half ounce silver with me. I only had one ounce, but I brought 100 gold backs with me. Uh, nice. And um, so a whole bunch of people were like, you got gold? Really? You got $4 worth of gold? And I'm like, well, it's one one thousandth of an ounce. And it been, and uh, and we've been trading these at four dollars in New Hampshire. It's about a dollar ninety melt value, uh, but they're like, oh, I'll, I'll trade you at four dollars. And so I Sweet. I bought all kinds of stuff with um, uh, goldbacks. I I tried making one girl did uh had a did take Bitcoin. She said she had a Bitcoin thing, but it, which farmers market was this? Where this, this is a Oro Valley farmers market. It's oh, called, in Arizona, okay. a, yeah, a steam right. pump ranch. Uh, is nice. where they have it at, and because uh, it was a guy who made a steam pump. You know pump what Oro water. is? Uh, no, that's uh, Mex- or Spanish for gold. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's all gold mine stuff all around <laughs> here. Okay, yep, yeah, that makes sense. Appropriate and, that they could appreciate it. There, yep, so. yep. So uh, I, I didn't realize that 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 Oro was yeah. gold. But anyways, so as soon as I said um, uh, gold backs, like mo- almost all the people. Who could actually make a decision? Because the pro- what I found out is about half the people at the farmers market, they're like, you know, um, they're just there, you know, working for their boss. They're not interested. They can't in, decide. They're not even. They don't even care. They don't know. They just want to look at their phone, leave me alone, or buy something. Mm-hmm. And then um, yeah, you got to talk to the owner. Yeah, and then and then one guy, uh, I, I bought some. I bought. Uh, we bought some like uh, I don't know some chili or something that we I wasn't even really that interested in. But he's like, oh, I'll definitely take those gold backs, and I'm just going to give my boss the cash. Oh, nice! Because um, he wanted them, and yeah, the so the goldbacks was really a big hit, and it was the, they are awesome. And as soon as they say gold, people are like, "Really, gold? Mm-hmm. Yeah, silver, uh, whatever, gold. You can actually buy, you know, I, I you can buy eggs with gold. Yes, you can in goldbacks, and you couldn't ever yeah. do that kind of transaction until the goldback exists. It's true. It's true. It's an amazing uh, technology, and we're huge fans of it here. And it also crosses international boundaries as well. Uh, I mean, not What's, that I've. I haven't yep. had the chance to travel internationally with since the goldback came out, but whenever Bonnie and I are at some you know uh, foreign restaurant or whatever, yep. we would love to tip with uh, goldbacks, and then we add it to the tip, right? So yep. it's like you give a good cash tip, and then I always like to say, "Hey, do you like gold?" And the reactions are always even more like intense yes. from somebody who's from Mexico, or we were just at the Japanese restaurant here in town, and they just everybody gets it. You know, everyone understands gold. So what's a what's a one one thousandth of an ounce of gold worth in trading value in in Nigeria Nigeria Naira? right now? I don't know. It's a good question. We you know, or to... or silver or like is there anybody on the ground that like be a lot of two thousand naira? I guess. I mean, there's got to be shops and, and merchants and people trading in Bitcoin since all this Bitcoin and crypto transactions are happening on these maps in Nigeria. So I I, I would imagine those people got are, you know this is why we have to practice doing bitcoin transactions this is why we mm-hmm. have to practice trading our services trading you know uh whatever you, you know if you're a you know you're a carpenter trade your carpenter to your to your guy you buy beef from or for and and actually that's a currency that i use the most is meat i trade mm-hmm. i trade Everybody's all kinds of people eat. pork and beef and chicken for all kinds of services babysitting um working you know whatever like i had some guys go haul some grain for me the other day and i paid them in awesome. paid them in meat yeah, it's 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 great. 
So more about what's going on. So they're switching out the Naira, the highest bill denominations, 200, 500, 1,000. They say that the Central Bank of Nigeria says they hope the redesign would bring some of the money being hoarded by individuals and companies back into the financial system. So again, a lot of people don't have bank accounts. They got plenty of cash, maybe, that they've been storing for however many years. Now they're being told that the cash will no longer spend. So the cash that you were holding on to is now no longer going to be useful, and apparently some places are no longer accepting it, even though they, in theory, could. But why would they want to accept it? Because then they have to go and exchange it at the bank, and there's lines a mile long, and you can only exchange so much because the banks, as you find out here, I think, in the story, there's not enough of the new bills. So like, <laughs> right. the banks don't have enough to satisfy people. So I wonder what the black market exchange rate is, is like, you know, Mm. back alley deals on getting this new money for the old money, because maybe it'd be worthwhile to just to to, to pay that price, to just pay that premium, whatever it is. First off, not to stand in line. Yeah. Good question. Second, not to be, you know, you know, in, in a database. The reform has created something like a cashless society, says the BBC, but not in the way the central bank had planned. People have been finding it difficult to make online payments and transfers. Analysts say the infrastructure to support a digital system isn't robust enough. Quote, the whole idea was to limit how much cash people have access to in order to encourage them to make digital payments so the CBN, the central bank, can monitor where the money goes, said a senior So they're flat economist. out saying that they're trying to monitor where money's coming of from course. and going to That's on every point. transaction. That's the reason they're, for the they're, CBDC. They're, they're saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Uh, Nigerian banks, though, don't have the capacity or structure to make digital payments work seamlessly. The central bank has not said whether the shortages are deliberate. Quote, the government has been trying to move the country into a cashless economy for ages, said a uh, policy analyst, Yemi Makinde. He says its intention intention is good. I don't know if I believe that. But it's just not feasible. The banking systems were not ready, and Nigeria is just used to cash. When announcing the redesign, the central bank said the new notes would begin circulating December 15th, and old notes would cease to be legal tender at the end of January. The bank then extended the deadline to last Friday, but the Supreme Court stepped in and suspended that deadline, but the lines outside of the banks remain. Quote, the only way this judgment would work is to release old notes back into the system to meet the shortage, but doing that will only take us back to square one. So they are in a mess of a situation. All of that is proof that government should never be put in charge of money Uh or anything else. Yeah. People are literally going to go hungry as a result of this, and and from what it sounds like, already are. Well, you know, at least they're attacking the proper institutions to where in American cities... They would just burn everything down. have a bunch down. of FBI agents that each go round themselves up a couple dozen, you know, brain-dead NPCs and tell them to go, you know, just set, set fires. Set to, autos to, on, to, on you fire. Know, you yeah. know, to, to places that have nothing to do with oppressing you. Well, some people and, believed it was the actual police that were setting places on well, fire. Well, there was one actual cop that yeah. got recognized in, uh, he was a Minneapolis. St. Paul cop yeah. that got nailed in Minneapolis AutoZone mm-hmm. throwing a Yeah, his ex-girlfriend recognized his yeah, gate. Yeah, she busted, right, that's right. Mm-hmm. He recognized his gate, that's right. She was probably a massage therapist because my wife can just recognize people by them just walking. Right. <laughs> seeing their shadow. Many have blamed individual bank branches. Firstly, they were still giving out the old notes rather than the new ones even up to the week of the initial deadline thereby keeping them in circulation 
Secondly, agents from the country's anti-fraud body, the Economic and Financial Crimes Commission, raided some bank branches and arrested managers who are accused of hoarding the new notes in vaults rather than putting in putting them in cash machines and giving them to customers. Quote, the banks aren't doing a good job at distributing the money. Bank managers have been keeping a lot of it aside for people with connections and for the rich, oh. misusing the central bank policy. As a consequence, the lack of new Naira notes has hit those who primarily deal with cash day-to-day, like market sellers and hawkers. Well, don't you worry. The president has stepped into the situation, and he is going to make everything better. Oh, by magic. Right before the uh, the election, which is coming up in apparently nine days in <laughs> Good uh, setup. Nigeria. But we'll tell you exactly what his solution is coming up here, and uh, we'll share that with you on the way here. This is Free Talk Live. Hour number three is coming up. Possible incompetence, I would say likely incompetence, or the plotting of yeah, the, plot. the Nigerian Central Bank and the Nigerian government. We'll tell you more about that coming up here. It's Ian J and Matt joining you tonight. The number 603-283-6160. Let's go first, though, to Sarah in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Sarah. Oh, I just, wanna, I just found out that the New Mexico Dream Center... It's going to do a fundraiser um, golf tournament. So the what center? Um, the New Mexico Dream Center. It's the Dream a, Center. Well, it's a youth center that ha- helps the human trafficking victims. Okay. So they're going to do a, a golf tournament to raise funds. So. Uh-huh. So, but I funds I, and, aw- and, and, and awareness. Uh, I would hope because. Uh, what is there something like eight hundred thousand kids um, in twenty twenty one got reported like missing uh, in the United Ooh. States, and mm. then then there's all these you know um, migrant children that are going missing and not showing up, you know, and their parents aren't getting them, and you know <clears throat> Epstein Island was a real thing, and you know uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's doing twenty years in prison for servicing a whole bunch of children to um these johns these clients and we don't know who the clients are apparently there was two thousand pages of court documents released this week but i don't know if the the client list was in there you'd think we would have seen it by now if it was included and i should be public information but i don't think it was there but when you're a very powerful crime you know biden family and whatnot Mm -hmm. you know you trump clinton they were all all they all went down there right bill gates i think Uh, and this is going after not off the client list, but off of the list of people who flew on their uh, the jet, the jet, the private jet, the Lolita, the Lolita Express. Express. Yeah, uh, Sarah, I, I don't know. So, I mean, I guess that's good news. But of course, you continue to bring this topic up. Yet at the same time, uh, you don't seem to understand the benefit of legalizing sex work, legalizing prostitution. Uh, to ending or to at least significantly reducing human trafficking. Uh, which it would. It wouldn't. It wouldn't completely eliminate it, 
but it would definitely uh, reduce it significantly, but you're not willing to do that. You want to keep seeing people put behind bars. Well, you know, I'd rather do this golf tournament and raise funds so that they, so that when girls do need help and they wind up run away from their parents or at the house when they leave their house when they're 13 or 15, they would have a safe place to go instead of being Not if they're in a prison cell. Yeah, not if they were grabbed by Child Protective Services and then, you know, the federal government takes, you know, six to $8,000, you know, out of the Social Security account and gives it to the state, you know, Child Protective Services when they, you know, <clears throat> find a kid to take and then they get an extra, you know, and the federal government gets thousands of dollars per month to uh, kids that are fostered to the state. And then what what these foster parents are getting like a third of that money. And they're like, how come we're not getting all the money? You know, they're getting the foster parents getting like 1200 bucks to take care of a kid. And, you know, the state's getting like four grand for the foster. Oh, yeah. it's a And not to mention, I just found this out the other day. Do you know if you go through the state for child support, like you're a, a divorced mom and you're like, oh, court family court please collect child support for my uh, ex-husband and let's say the ex-husband's ordered to pay a thousand dollars a month in almost every state in the country i don't know about new york but definitely texas for every uh dollar that texas awards in child support the state of texas gets 66 cents from the federal government wow uh, so there's a major incentive for these states and basically the guy he was on Tim Pool's show a couple weeks ago talking about how his ex-wife is trying to trans- transgender his son, who is now 10, and she moved to California. And, and this guy's been like a kind of a, I forget his name, uh, you know, a, an active, like, you know, conservative, mm-hmm. you know, speaking out against a lot of this stuff. And uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, now the kid's like 10. He hasn't seen his kid in like a, a, a you know, a year and a half. That's and, awful. And the mother is trying to um, transgender him into a uh, into a girl and went to California because California offers all for these it. you know yeah. protections and stuff and and the, and the only time they and and the kids like I don't even want to be a girl I don't know why mom's trying wow. to do this yeah it's it's pretty sad thank you Sarah for the call tonight let's bring Major Payne on the line here in Michigan you're on Free Talk Live go ahead Major hey guys hey you change the course of the river but I want to talk about uh, this train wreck down in Ohio yeah yeah we've been covering it uh, here on Free Talk Live I think it got talked about a lot on Sunday and uh, and Wednesday nights this week it's a pretty ugly situation and it definitely deserves more coverage than it's getting for listeners that aren't familiar major can you kind of fill in uh, people maybe just tuning in with what's happened down there well I saw aerial wreckage and I got a property that's like an eighth of a mile deep Mm-hmm. This train wreck would have took up my whole property. There was like, I don't know. I, I couldn't count them because it was too quick, but there was at least 75 cars sideways, burn up, mm-hmm. and just charred. And, and the, the government claimed that there was like 3,500, 35,000 fish that they counted dead. But this is just one little dick trickle stream along the side of the tracks, right? Yeah. So that's the only one they monitored. And, of course, they killed that many fish. Well, there's videos coming in on social media. I just saw one, I think, just before the show of a gentleman who is standing in a creek somewhere near East Palestine, I think is what they call it there in Ohio. And he just kind of, like, pushed a stick down into the water, and you could see all the colors of the rainbow show up in the water. People have been uh, reporting their chickens are dying, their animals are, are ill and or dying, and it is... It's ugly. And for listeners that don't know, what happened was this train derailed. It has a lot of chemicals 
uh, on this train. I'm sorry, I don't remember the exact. It's like one of them was like PVC, uh, yeah. the predicate to PVC or something like the, that. The one, the one bad one, like there, there was one that was, you know, when they, they burned it, it went up the me. atmosphere. And when it comes into contact with water, it turns into hydrochloric acid. Yeah, so acid rain. Every, yeah, everybody's yeah. freaking out about that. But hydrochloric acid, okay, it's going to hit the ground. I've spilled hydrochloric on the on the ground before. Mm-hmm. It burns the grass for the year. It's dead. It burns it right down to the dirt. And the next year, plantains start growing up. So it, 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 it's the poly polypropylenes, I think. That's the, the best. Yeah. The, well, the other one, the other gas was uh, was phosgene. Now, phosgene is not natural. Like, there's no. Mm-hmm. It's not an organic gas. It's not found in nature at all. And that. That's scary to me. The phosgene gas. Is yeah, well, then they uh, blew up, apparently. And the, the, apparently this is because it was better than the other alternative, supposedly, was actually igniting and or blowing up these tanks in some way. And so the amount of chemicals that was just expo- exploding into the sky, there's like this mushroom cloud, not quite, but a, a humongous cloud of uh, chemicals. Yeah. Go ahead. I said the plume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. That's the word but for it. But all the wild snares have died, and like you're saying, all the chickens are dying. And, uh, I mean, it, it, the canary in the coal mine is the perfect example. They're not even in the coal mine, and they're dying. Yeah, I think there's been some concern about the Ohio River uh, becoming contaminated yeah. and then subsequently in- contaminating the Mississippi River, which it flows into. And then, of exactly. course, on down to the Gulf of Mexico, right? So. And, and all the farms the farmland, in yeah. that area uh, that just are going to have this stuff just falling on the ground. That's bad. And then so what happens is like milk cow, dairy cows, for example, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> any anything toxic that dairy cows get goes right into the milk. Their body mm. puts it right into the milk. Uh, this is why like you don't want to do a fast or like any kind of like extreme dieting when you're breastfeeding because any uh of your fat cells where toxins were getting stored as you were putting fat on your body Mm -hmm. would uh get expelled in 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 the breast milk and it Mm. would you know hurt your baby well it's the same thing for all these cows so there's all kinds of um dairy land there's all kinds of feedlots there's all kinds of um farmland that goes uh, a corn and you know uh soybean and stuff that's growing all out there wheat and rye and barley's all kinds of grains that you know that's the grain belt that's a good part of the grain belt and then um you got all that stuff floating you know some in western new york is a ton of ton of uh, farms and then you know these guys all uh irrigate out of these all these farms along the ohio river they irrigate out of the river a mm-hmm. lot of that water's uh, uh diverted out of those rivers for all kinds of irrigation projects for agricultural land uh same thing with the mississippi river that's all um you know, so this is really going to uh, in, in, impact a lot of farming, and uh, I wouldn't be eating any cheese product that's you know made in Cincinnati, Ohio, mm. uh, any you yeah. know for the next several years because it's all coming from local dairies or around Pennsylvania. There. As I understand or, it, uh, the location of this is right near the yep. Ohio Pennsylvania border. Mm. I, I used to, I used to go buy trailers. What's that, Major? Guys went right where I was going. The uh, that Dick Trickle Creek goes into the Ohio River. Mm-hmm. The Ohio River is the first main tributary of the Mississippi, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's all about wiping us out, dude. They don't want any of us here. Well, and, and there is one thing that's been happening, by the way. There's all these reports now on social media of, oh, my God, a train has derailed, and they, oh, what's happening? Well, apparently there's like 1,800 trains that derail in the United States every year, so the fact that trains are derailing isn't like some crazy conspiracy it's just 
been going on for a long time now maybe you could argue that they're not keeping the tracks up to uh to standards and maybe there's some sort of conspiracy there but there's not like more trains derailing now this week than there were two weeks ago it's pretty interesting that there was a spill associated with this one and the spill and the the way the spill was uh you know we'll say cared for mm-hmm. and by cared for i mean the cops set the stuff on fire that was coming out of the thing you know I don't know if it was the cops, but some. Well, that's what I heard on the news. The, the, the police set the authority the, the leak on fire. Yeah. Evidently, there's there's video monitoring of these trains, mm-hmm. and there is uh, conclusive evidence that there were sparks coming from one of the brakes. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. And they did not shut this damn thing down. The first mm-hmm. report I heard is that it had been shut down for maintenance somewhere before the wreck. And I just talked to a buddy of mine who's a little bit more video informed than I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says it, it was never shot shut down, and this thing was. I mean, there's pictures of ball bearings on fire. Good God, what wow. does it take to make a tungsten ball bearing? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like four thousand yeah. degrees, I think, or something, isn't it? It's really hot. Hell on the wheels, there, boys. Hell Basically, on the wheels. thank you, Major, for the call tonight. I appreciate that. And and as as this situation continues to develop. Feel free to weigh in with your thoughts or whatever it is you're seeing. If you're still, unfortunately, in that area, I would hope a lot of people are getting the hell out, uh, people that are nearby I, this. I would be. I'd be relocating yeah. my family. It's crazy. Um, you know, there's a, a a Netflix movie that's called White Noise. Heard about this. Uh, that basically, you know, per, per, uh, predicted this uh, Ohio train. And it uh, was filmed in East Palestine, wasn't it? Uh, no. Well, that's what I heard. I, I didn't read that in this article, but it's a New York Post article. Deadly Ohio train derailment eerily predicted on Netflix. Yeah, I don't know Scary. if it was the whole movie that was filmed there, but there is definitely an article that I saw about people in East, East Palestine that are featured in this film. Wow. Okay. It's so weird when that yeah. stuff happens. Yeah. Scenario 201, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Life imitates art. So those life yeah. imitates art. You know, people say art Crazy. imitates life. I I. And I heard the other way on that. that Amtrak's involved with this, and we know the government took over Amtrak a few years ago. Oh no, it's been government for a long time. Uh, well, what two decades ago? You know, I don't know. At least like I don't know. Forty years ago. Oh, okay. Well, anyways, so the government's taken over Amtrak. They're like, oh, something about Amtrak. I heard, and you know, I uh, I think the railroads should be left to uh, dealing with the railroads. Stop getting government involved because when mm-hmm. you get a bunch of government lackeys involved, the problem is is all these guys that. You know, these government bureaucrats, the only reason they get a government job is because they can't hack it in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, so you're just going to get the worst of the worst. Yeah, the you definitely don't line. want people cutting corners on this, but apparently that's probably what led to this, yeah. right? And, Bad maintenance. And who's going to be held accountable? This is another problem I have with the whole, you know, it, I don't like incorporations because uh, basically in a corporation- There's no liability, right? Takes the liability and moves it from the individual and spreads it out to everybody. Mm-hmm. And just like with Enron, nobody went to jail. All that money got lost. Now we have lives getting lost, lives getting destroyed. Um, And, of course, they're going to, you know, use this, you know, in a few years. They'll be like, oh, all these people suddenly dying are now dying from, you know, this this train wreck, you know, stuff. And Not the vaccine. Yeah, yeah, not the vaccine. But, yeah, this is uh, – and, you know – like anywhere they want to make a train derail, it's not hard for to for you know somebody to you know make a train derail somewhere. Like mm-hmm. you know they could just it, it's almost too easy to happen. And mm-hmm. you know the the um, the railroad can't even keep people you know, enough people on 
uh, you know, on staff to drive the trains, never mind people that maintain the you know, railroad tracks. With, so they're having staffing issues, Well, there's too. been all kinds of things with uh, the, the, all these railroad unions striking because they're making oh, yeah. the guys work like, you know, crazy hours. And then when their time limit's up, they happen to be somewhere halfway across the country where they got to go sit in a hotel room, you know, not around their families for, you know, 72 hours. And then they have a restart and go back to work kind of like truck drivers. And a lot of these, you know, union rail workers are really upset about it. And a lot of them just quit. Um, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of people who quit, you know, work in these jobs where you just get abused, they, they just feel so much better about themselves or doing something else. There's sure. better opportunities for There's people. There's plenty of opportunities out there right now. Everyone's hiring. Yeah. You want a new job? You don't have to do much more than throw a rock. You'll find you'll hit 12 different businesses that are hiring. Yeah. Everybody's trying to hire. I mean, jobs are yep. easy to come across. Yeah. Uh, all right. So speaking of uh, the economy, we're going to get back into Nigeria, where there's a crazy situation that's in the midst of happening as we speak. People are rioting outside of banks. Uh, they There's another video that uh, I have of taken from the inside of a bank by one of the bank employees. She's looking out the window as people are at this gate. Gate's closed. The gate's locked. And they are trying to take this gate down. They're like throwing things. You see something hit the window that this lady's uh, standing behind. And eventually they breach the, the gate and they come into the building and just start destroying things. People are pissed. You know. I don't know why these guys don't show up with a cordless, you know, Makita or DeWalt cutoff <laughs> angle think grinder. That far ahead. <laughs> I mean, for, for 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 the way these things work, you got like eight minutes of like you could grind through a lot of metal. You could open up any gate pretty quick. They shouldn't have to work that hard. Well, in this one, there, there's another video here of these guys that are they're at some bank branch and they've got pipes, big long metal pipes, just smashing uh, the front of this bank. They're just grabbing anything they can, you know. And how many of these people actually have equipment like angle grinders? You know, I can't, I can't say, right? Like these are some yeah, of the right. probably some of the poorest uh, of uh, of poor people. Many of them maybe are looking for work and or can't work now due to uh, various different economic circumstances, which they've been forced into by the the government that has said uh, they said this back in I guess this or October that beginning in the middle of December. The old notes, so the old bank notes, the 200, 500, and 1,000 naira, naira being the Nigerian currency, would no longer be any good at the end of January. So you had basically a month and a half to turn in all your old notes and get the newly redesigned versions. Why is this? Well, it seems like they want to try to incentivize people to sign on with their central bank digital currency seems to be the uh, the motivation here behind the scenes they claim that it's trying to stop counterfeiting and uh, yeah they just want to track trace and database everyone right and since you know i don't but know but they're how many... openly saying that though yes, yes they are yep. yeah we know that that's what the cbdc is for that's not a secret um and most people aren't interested the nigerians have said no basically to the cbdc only 0.5 percent so you know half a percent of uh, nigerians have bothered to even try the cbdc and or are using it but as a result most people are un a lot of people are unbanked 40 percent of the population so they're telling the people that are unbanked that don't want to have anything to do with the banks that in order to continue to use cash you will need to visit your local bank branch 
probably have to show ID, right? Because they're not just going to hand you right. the new money. Yeah, you're probably going to sign a statement swearing that you're a resident of whatever providence, that you're a you're a willing subject, uh, right. a willing citizen of their nation. Um, you know, you, law enforcement's going to look it over, yeah. and then maybe you'll get some money. But the problem is they don't have enough of it. So you've got huge lines. You've got limitations on the amounts that people can exchange. So even if you're willing to wait in the line for hours, you may not be able to actually exchange all of the Naira that you have. And let's say you have like, you know, five duffel bags full of these old dollars to trade in. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they going to tax you? Are they going to limit you? How much you can They're limiting you, you as to withdraw? how much you can. Yeah. You know, so that's, you put a million notes in, they're only going to give you 10 back. That's that's how it's working out. Yep, yeah, okay. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but yeah, there's uh, very restrictive limits, and that's why people are smashing the ATM machines uh, because they can only take out so much per day. Think about being that lady behind the wall at the bank. Like, wh- why did you go to work that day? Mm-hmm. Like, why would you go to work that day? You might get lynched. I, I would imagine. Right? And when she leaves, I would imagine she's going to her home. There's a video, uh, another one of these videos of the bank workers escaping over a fence or like a concrete wall at like the back, uh, wherever it is. It's obviously not where the where the crowd is, right? So like they're going over a barbed wired concrete wall where they've pulled the barbed wire down. They've got a step ladder that they put up against the the wall, and like the men from the bank are helping the bank tellers and the the women go over this wall. Wow! To get out. From whatever it was that was uh, going well, on, I, I can't imagine being brain dead enough to get. And, and you know, this is this not this not just Nigeria; it's all over the world. Who would be brain dead enough to take certain jobs? Like, why would you get yourself into an industry where your job is to help the government screw mm-hmm. people or be the government? And screw people. Why would you? Ever- I don't think most bank tellers see it that way. But most bank tellers are definitely like cult member types. When I say cult, like city urban liberal types, who, you know, I mean, they're they're. I I, I am every time I'm at a bank, I'm I always like talk about the Federal Reserve <laughs> and how it's corrupt, and I like show nice. them the gold back, and I'm like, you know, this used to be receivable, you know. Um, redeemable in silver. Silver is real money. It's defined by the you know the. You know, an act of 1846. Uh, I used to, I years ago, I got like hundreds of these books called Trillions for the Bankers, or it was Billions for the Bankers, Debt for the People, and then mm-hmm. the updated book was Trillions for the Bankers, More Debts for the People. So I used to buy like a big case of these. You get like 500, and you get them for like, I don't know, 10 cents a piece, and you buy a whole bunch of them. And um, I used to pass them out at you know banks all the time. And a lot of time they'd be like, "I'm just doing my job. I don't care." Derp, yeah. derp, derp. Yeah. Until the I don't until care. the until they look out the window and the walls are on fire and there's people standing yep. out there with AK-47s <laughs> and trucks and all kinds of stuff trying to tear the walls off of the place. Yeah, it doesn't mean, look like there's any guns in Nigeria though. No, no, there's guns. There's oh, a lot of guns oh, in Nigeria. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's uh, there's that, another video. Of... There's an AK-47 on the Nigerian national flag. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So wow. they have a right to bear arms there? Uh, I don't. You can get an AK for a couple chickens in Nigeria. Yep. Yep. That's pretty sweet. I didn't know that. Yep. Apparently there's there's like 250 million people or 230 or something million people in Nigeria. Is that right? That's a big country. It's huge. Mm. 
Uh, I mean, that's and, and it's like the population density is more than five times what it is here. In yeah, because it's not a very US. big country right. geographically. Yeah. Uh, if you want to join the show here, you can. The number is 603-283-6160. Are we going to see bank riots like this here in the U.S.? Well, I mean, we're not close to it yet, but then again, you never know how far away that we are. And how to insulate yourself, I'd like to talk about next. Okay, sure. That's coming up here on Free Talk Live, and you can join us. It is Free Talk Live. Phones are open. we got time for you. If you want to jump into the discussion here, you can... The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. It's Ian, Jay, and Matt joining you here tonight. Talking about the difficulties that the people of Nigeria are facing. Many of them waiting for hours in lines at banks just to get a few pieces of the new currency that they have there. The Nigerian Naira, the 200, 500,000 bills, which are the highest ones they have. By the way, 1,000 Naira is about just over $2 U.S. Uh, so that's their highest bill. They're exchanging those or attempting to exchange them, but there's not enough of them. So the government wants them to adopt the new central bank digital currency, but people don't want that. They're not interested, even though they're very uh, tech adopting as far as like a lot of them have smartphones. They're not interested in having the government's uh, CBDC. They want cash. And so they're standing in lines that are hours long. They are, in many cases, just getting pissed and destroying the actual banks themselves, destroying the uh, the ATMs, destroying the frontages of some of these banks. Like there was one uh, clip that I saw today where there was, I mean, it was just completely ravaged. The ATMs were destroyed. The for the front sign was was smashed in. The windows, I mean, you name it. The thing had the only thing that hadn't happened was it was wasn't set on fire. <laughs> Uh, at that point, so which pretty, is pretty surprising. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Some of them have been. You know, it's a very dry place too. I think so. Okay. Maybe it'd probably be a wise Danger. not to set that on fire. Uh, so, I'm just going to give you a few more examples of what's happening. This, according to the BBC, and I'll tell you what the president is going to do. The president is going to solve everything. Uh, but first, Aya Ruka, who's 52 years old, she sells plantains. This, according to the BBC, at a market in Lagos. She has had to adapt by accepting bank transfers because, again, there's not enough cash available. You don't want to take the old cash from people because then you just have to go stand in the line to try to ex- you know, exchange it. So it's not worth your time. Uh, but she says that hasn't helped her when she needs money. She says, all my customers are saying they don't have cash, so they'll pay me using a bank transfer. But then I go to the bank and there's no cash for me to collect. So what do I do? She says. Further down the street, Kingsley, who only gave his first name, sells mobile phone accessories. The 27-year-old told me he has hardly sold anything in the last few days. She says, peop- or He says, people only pay by transfer. If I want to get home, I need to go to a point of sale to get money, and they charge a lot now. Point of sale vendors are individuals standing at street corners who have a card machine and can make transfers for people, but often charge a commission. So this sounds like what you were talking about earlier of like, what's the black market like? Can you go and exchange the currency outside of a bank and just take a a huge hit? And it sounds like you can. Yep. Uh, They've been accused of fleecing ordinary people by charging extortionate amounts for cash withdrawals. But if it saves you the 10 hours of having to stand Sounds in a like line. a market price to me. Yeah, exactly. 
One vendor who spoke on condition of anonymity defended the need to charge extra. He said, I queued for an entire day at a bank to get the new notes and old notes. That's why they must pay, because we queue, he says. That means stand in line. Uh, He runs a kiosk. She said that she's not sure how much longer, uh, or she will be able to keep up the business as the banks run dry. She said some customers can get angry and nearly violent. I just avoid looking up at them. They forget I'm suffering as well. Like now, I have to trek for an hour home, and I have only been eating gari, which are cassava flakes. CBN's governor has said he's taking, this is their central bank, steps to get more of the new notes into the system. Meanwhile, according to Yahoo News and also BBC the president has stepped in. What's he going to do? Uh, again, he's looking for re-election. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's out. Uh, they have two terms in Nigeria, so this guy's going out. There's a new election coming in within the next two weeks. Uh, but he has announced that he's going to save the country by letting one of the three banknotes being phased out reintroduced into circulation. So remember, they were getting rid of the old 200, 500, and 1,000 uh, Naira banknotes. The thousands worth just over two dollars. The two hundreds worth like forty something cents. So what's he going to do? He's going to let the two hundred back in. So if you have the five hundred and the thousand, the old banknotes, sorry, you still can't use those. <laughs> but if you have the two hundred, now he's going to be allowing those to be utilized for some amount of time. Uh, they'll be reintroduced. Because of the recent violent protests as people are struggling to get hold of the newly designed banknotes. The old deadline was supposed to have been last Friday to hand in the old cash, but there's not enough new uh, notes in order to exchange people. So what happens if you don't make that deadline, by the way? Are you just SOL if you haven't exchanged your banknotes for the new ones? Yeah, I would imagine. Fire paper now. Toilet paper. He said the new note, or the old notes rather, the old 200 notes, which are worth approximately 43 cents U.S., would remain legal tender for another 60 days. So they, they've extended it for two more months that people could still use the old 200 notes. Uh, if you have the 500 and the 1,000, then you can go and exchange them. And he blamed, quote, unscrupulous officials in the banking industry for the difficulties in implementing the new policy. So once again, pass the buck, right? Look, it's not my fault. I'm just the president of the country. I can allow you to use the old notes, so it's, but it's still not my fault, even though I could allow you to use all of the old notes. Right. Yeah, so it's just ridiculous uh, what is happening there. Now, Jay, you wanted to get into what can people do to protect themselves from this? Because it's easy to look at this and say, oh, yeah, that's Nigeria. It can't happen here. So here's my thought. Um, and... This little spiel is going to be more geared towards, like, your kids. But if you're someone who is a valuable asset to the people around you because you um, have something that they desire, such as that can't be taken away from you, like a skill. I believe uh, probably after uh, or even tied with, you know, who your friends are and who your alliances are, probably your most... um, you know, uh, valued asset is your skill set. And there's a lot of people who just don't have a skill set. There's a lot of people who are their Their skill is in gender studies. Their skill is in, you know, they've dedicated their life to accounting, um, which and, and accounting is a skill. There are people, you know, you get paid for, you know, doing accounting, but uh, like what's happened here in America with the with the education crisis and the college scam, as I like to refer, refer to it, is everybody is sort of acting like an insect and only knows how to do one thing. 
Um, they're just compartmentalized where their only skill is that they're a heart surgeon, but they you know couldn't change a tire on their car if they had a spare tire on their car to change it. it because uh, new cars don't even have spare tires anymore. But anyways, <laughs> you know somebody so, was talking about how in, in the old days your owner's manual, your car had instructions on how to set the valves. Yep. on that car, how to adjust expected, the valve. Like as a as a car owner, you should be expected to know how to do simple things like you know set the valves. Yep. Well, t- a little digression from this: two hundred years ago, every kid that was uh, basically you know seven eight years old knew how to doctor a horse. They knew how to. Hmm put a harness on a horse they knew how to put the saddle on the horse correctly they knew how to grease the wheels on their carriage or their wagon they knew how to drive the wagon they knew how to do the maintenance they knew how to do all these things safely and properly because if they didn't do it safely and properly uh they didn't live basically Mm -hmm. right um and you know in the 40s and the 50s every kid that you know was of age to drive a car knew how to adjust valves knew how to uh, change spark plugs, knew how to change tires, knew how to change the timing, knew how to clean and adjust the um, the points, for example. Uh, you know, fast forward to, you know, for 20 years now, people have had no idea how to drive a standard transmission, have had no idea how mm. to change a tire. Uh, today, uh, uh, most, uh, uh, you know, um, a lot of millennials and, you know, Gen Zers or Gen Next or whoever, they don't even know how to cook food unless it is microwave instructions. It's so sad. From what I understand. You know, this, I think I've actually read this quote on the show before, but I'm going to say it again because it's perfect and it's germane to the conversation right now. This is a Heinlein quote. You probably know exactly which quote this is, but a human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. Hmm. Right. Yes, I've heard that. So if you want to, you know, insulate your kids, for example, from being a victim, uh, from being so desperate to where they must take a stick, a pipe, a gun and go attack the bank because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all that stuff is an absolute waste of time. Uh, if you're someone, so if you're competent, um, which is, you know, being confident, but being able to do it correctly is what competence is. Uh, if you have skills, if if you're of value to your community and people look at you as someone who is valuable, uh, first off, a guy who can fix anything, who can do electrical work, who can do plumbing, um, which is, you know, uh, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, most men, most people in America could do that stuff. Every farmer I know can 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 basically weld, can can wire, can plumb, can, you know, cut a two by four squ- squarely, can, you know, build stuff because they do it all the time. Their livelihood depends on it. Uh, all the Amish kids I, I know aren't going to uh, have any probably any problems doing stuff when the economy collapses, when there's a run on a bank. Uh, because they're in demand. They make very good money because they mm-hmm. have skills and can work hard, especially today where we have so many people who don't have very many skills or they only have one skill and they're priced out of the marketplace either by foreigners or just everybody went to college for that same thing or everybody went to college for these 15 things and, and the market's saturated in that. But if you can train your kids to have confidence, a love of responsibility, my three-year-old daughter it loves to go feed her ducks and chickens. We are on vacation every day. She's like, Dad, I want to go home and feed my ducks and chickens <laughs> and my cows. 
Uh, even my um, 17-month-old son, I, I go, we're going to go feed the cows. He goes, moo, and he points to his mouth and starts opening and closing his mouth, you know, <laughs> mimicking, you know, that. He knows exactly, you know, what's going on. And that kid will be able to operate the clutch on a two-wheel motorcycle no by the problem. time he's four, probably, max. Probably. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, anyways, but if you have skills and you're competent and, and your community is aware of this, your community is going to... First off, be like, wow, we need to keep this guy around. When things get really hairy, they're going to like, we need to protect this guy. And even when times are good, you just can kind of name your price. Mm. So the guy that can fix any car over in Nigeria, um, and that, you know, he's probably like, all right, I'm only working for people who got the new bills. Mm-hmm. Or it's going to, you know, I'll give you a 50% discount if you got the new bills. Or, oh, you got Bitcoin, I'll give you this discount. I mean, this has been happening. We've been practicing this in New Hampshire for mm-hmm. uh, you know well over 10 years uh i've been 20 years ago when i was selling hay i actually put advertisements in the local one advertisers uh in massachusetts where i would sell you a bale of hay for a pre-1964 quarter <laughs> one guy has sold uh hay to for silver and it was silver eagles that he had hmm. and he was down on cape cod and i sold him hay for years for silver eagles and uh but you know and then, like like I've said before, I've you know when I was snow plowing in a city a couple of years ago, I would you know give like a really good discount for crypto, mm-hmm. um, or I would get you know and or, or if you wanted to pay me like a check, I had to deal with that. I don't have a bank account, so yeah, like that's a hassle. I would, I would charge, charge more, charge double for a check, mm-hmm. and and guys were like, okay, you sure, know, whatever. And, uh, what do I make it out to? Right, right. Yeah. It, you know, it was one of these deals where he wanted me to bill him every thirty days mm-hmm. and then send me a check. So, and I'd be like, all right, you need to make it out to, and I would just tell him a company to make it out to that I did business with, and I would just send it to him, and, you know, and that, and that bill's paid. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the, um, the thing is, is, is uh, you know, don't put your kids in government schools. Don't put them in front of internet devices. You need to take the time and read to your kids and teach your kids uh, this stuff. I, I really think all kids uh, should be raised um, in an orientation where they have a direct connection to their food. So, for example, we have gardens that we grow, and we invite city kids to come over to our house in the summertime. And and um, and you guys know, know these families that come over. We had a couple days a week where they come over and pick beans and pick mm-hmm. weeds, and uh, toddlers just basically massacring the garden. Uh, but it's fun, you know, and, and that, that's how they're going to learn. You got to, you know, crack a few eggs to make an omelet. Right. And then these kids are picking eggs up and like, like, it's, it's amazing when like five year, six year old kids are like, wow, they come, that egg comes from a chicken's butt. And, you know, and, and they just, they can't believe that. And it's just, and, and my daughter's like, yeah, that's where eggs come from. Cause she's been witnessing it her, her, her entire life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you have skills, you're always going to be in demand and you're going to be okay. Yeah, and that's uh, probably true. and and if people know you have those skills, they're going to want to uh, protect you uh, because whatever uh, you have for skills, there's going to be someone who needs that skill. As long as it's an actual, real, marketable skill, like mm-hmm. fixing stuff. Uh, you know, being a MacGyver, for example, is just like you know a very so very good skill. Yeah. yeah, man, there aren't very many of those those people nope. these days. You know, I taught myself tonight, and it sucked. How to wire a headlight onto a motorcycle that didn't come with one? Hmm. So, but now we have a dirt bike that's got a high beam, low beam turn signals, and a horn. 
Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that <laughs> because, like, I can do a lot of stuff. Like, I'm I'm a handyman too, but I've always stayed away from building stuff. Yep. Because I cannot cut a two by four square, and I can't cut it the right length, no matter how many times I measure. Yep. And I also am petrified of electricity. I you, suck at anything with wires attached to it. You could. When I started doing some carpentry, I used to roof for a guy. And he's like, yeah, you cut that board as crooked as a horse trader. And, you know, my dad was a horse trader. <laughs> and, uh, but, like, you know, you want to cut a two-by-four with a skill saw really square, uh, you use a little speed square. Where you hold the speed square and the two-by-four at the same time, and you just run the the uh, guide uh, of, of the skill saw right against that speed square. You know what a speed square is. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I cut a lot of boards. And I, don't know, I was like 22 years old, and I started using a speed square to cut make my cuts. Jay, if I if really I was help. to build anything, I, it would fall down within a year. Um, it would be, uh, a, you, I, it, it'd be a hazard ju- to anyone who was inside of it. I doubt that. Ju- ju- <laughs> just the fact that you're willing to actually try it and do it um, and as you were going about it, I'm sure you would realize, you know, uh, you know what what you're doing. You know, I, I bought a 20 volt circular saw recently. Yeah, and you know, it matches the rest of my set. I'm trying to get yep. all the all the tools in that set from that that one line of tools, and I and I loved it. But fortunately, fortunately, it was defective, and I had to take it back and get my money back. So now I no longer have a circular saw because. It could only go wrong. <laughs> well, then you just use a chainsaw. That's right. Now, chainsaws I can do. Chainsaw, I can fell trees. Well, I mean, it, it certainly helps to have uh, somebody under which you can apprentice, right? It does. I mean, it it does. is nice to be able to go online and look at YouTube videos. It I mean, does. that is an asset that we have now for somebody that does yep. want to learn and doesn't mm-hmm. know who to go and learn from. Like, you know, they can't go to Man Camp or something like that. It's right, unfortunate right. because everybody deserves Man Camp. <laughs> Man Camp is the best idea anybody's ever had. Jay That's Newton. Jay's idea, by the way. Yeah, so man camp is my idea to restore competence and confidence in mankind. And simply, I mean, it just started as just teaching a bunch of young kids how to forge and blacksmith and weld. Uh, this year, man camp, my, my, my man campers were a bunch of adults uh, this past year, and they were guys just that needed um, some guidance on, you know, fixing their own stuff, uh, you know, turning their, um, you know, the guys buy a bus, turn it into an RV. Uh, and then they traded me some time for my time, helping me out, um, you know, clear land for my farm and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm making pastures and gardens. And uh, they learned, I I taught a, a couple of guys how to weld this summer. We did a lot of welding up all kinds of stuff for, you know, farm equipment and harvesting equipment. And Jay, made... can you TIG? Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. What is a TIG? You got to teach me how to TIG. Tungsten inert gas is what TIG stands for. And uh, TIG welding is a, is a uh, process of welding that is the most meticulous the most difficult welding and um it's but once you but it really teaches you how to weld i learned how to tig weld about form. about 15 years ago and um you just got to be pretty disciplined about it and it really helps to have some patience because you screw up a lot at first um and uh i i will tell you though tig welding consumables have gotten extremely expensive uh the cost of tig weld aluminum you know like 10, 15 years ago, like, in, you know, the average was like 75 to $100 an hour. Now most guys are up around 200 bucks an hour uh, because the consumables are so expensive. Well, I um, bought a really slick TIG welder, okay. and I need somebody to show me how to use the thing. Yeah, I can show you how to use it. Doesn't do that after the show. Let's go to David. He's in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, David. Yeah, Colin, because um, Jay had said that he doesn't like corporations, and um, going back to a conversation I had with you a few days ago where we're 
uh, the context of the conversation is that the government that we have is unlawful and we need to get get rid of them, obviously, if we can. And there's a hundred different things that uh, could and should be done. And one of them that I chose to mention was to stop buying from corporations uh, when at all possible, if at all possible, in every way possible. And I want to ask uh, uh, Jay, since he also doesn't like corporations, and he, you cited Jay uh, because they 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 defer, they they avoid responsibility uh, of their personal actions hiding behind the corporation. Uh, but maybe Jay dislikes corporations in other ways, uh, like I do, uh, that I alluded to in, in our uh, discussion previously. If you follow me on that, Jay. Yeah, I do. So there's like Ian says, not all corporations are like that. So for example, like there's local farmers that you're going to find that created an incorporation of some sort. Because you can't get a bank account unless you... Correct. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and so this is all funneling you into this stuff. So when you take your farm and you convert it into a corporation, it's no longer a family private farm. It's now essentially an entity of the government. And now this corporation, so if the government comes to me, it wants to give me a heart, uh, say I charge me with something. One of the first things I say is produce the instrument I sign that compels me, you know, to perform for you and that compels me to your statutes, for example. And they can't. But if you are a LLC, they, they come against the LLC or the corporation, or if you're a, you know, if you were Joe six pack, you know, farmer, farm incorporated, which almost all these you know, farms and like trucking is the biggest thing. Like, you know, you know, uh, John Doe trucking company, you see it on the side of trucks all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, so they're John Doe trucking LLC or transport incorporated or something like that. So now they're, they're under the boot of the government and the IRS and they're essentially taking these things, but yeah, stop supporting large corporations. Obviously we got to buy gasoline from large corporations, uh, and, and things like that. But, uh, food, for example, People should be buying food from the guy who's producing it, which is really difficult because that means you're not getting everything done at one stop at the grocery store. In fact, you might have to do uh, my wife. uh, We buy milk from a guy. We buy bread from another local place. We buy we don't really buy any meat because we raise all our own. But and and, and the thing is, too, is this global food chain stuff that we have going on is so fragile and it only works with major, major government subsidies. Uh, so like your, your $3 and 99, you know, your $30 for a 10 pound thing of hamburger at Walmart only exists because of the subsidy. When all that stuff stops, stops, the only thing that's really going to be left is the local farmer. If all that stuff stops, I mm-hmm. think it's, I don't, I, I, I really almost would like to see this CBC, the CBDC instituted here in America to where like, yeah, this is what you have to use uh, because it would really, uh, you know, push the, the uh, agricultural black market a lot more because, um, you know, a lot of these, there's going to be so many people who are just going to, you know, I, I, I feel want to trade real things that have real things like people mm-hmm. who have meat to sell and food. But yeah, unfortunately the small farmers uh, going the way of the Dodo, a lot of agribusiness like big, big agra has bought. Oh yeah. Tons and tons and tons of farms and just put them out of business and yep. Con- yep. consolidate them into the gigantic. Yeah. And then there's the Bill Gates thing. He's just buying land. Well, and, and the thing is, too, a lot of these like my stepfather, who's a big commercial, uh, you know, crop farmer, in Colorado, he actually downsized a lot 
Uh, well, this year they just had you know virtually almost no water to work with mm. in Colorado, Northeast Colorado. Uh, it was everything was super short. You know, he would usually do like twenty five hundred acres of corn, and I think he did like nine hundred, mm. and didn't really have quite enough water for nine hundred. And in fact, uh, fertilizer was so expensive that like he couldn't even you know um, get enough fertilizer to do all what he you would usually put on florida's not producing as much orange juice either yeah everything and but and, and a lot of his labor and you really can't subsidize this labor is uh is, is what we're seeing in the farming industry um mm. for example um in, in the hay business you know it's taking 40 pound bales of hay and stacking them on trucks just doesn't really happen anymore because there's very few people that actually that will actually do that kind of work and what you're seeing in the retail hay business now is small square bales are like you know 13 to 20 dollars a bale and what were they oh like six dollars a bale retail mm-hmm. you know four years ago five wow. years ago and and that's all going to get factored into the price of food right right and what it is now it's all big like big bales that are everything's operated from the seat of a tractor and you know you're using two hundred thousand dollar balers and hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment but to be resilient you got to be able to take care of yourself and you need skills there's more coming up uh tomorrow we're out of time for tonight you can join us online in the meantime over at freetalklive.com i mentioned our social media earlier you can find that at social.freetalklive.com. Make sure you follow the at FTL account for our show prep and whatever else we want to share. We'll see you tomorrow. Freetalklive.com. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today.